0: Probably did. Hate mail, and we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams.
1: The Football Pod Live Thursday, June 2nd in Castlebar.
2: Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now.
3: OTB AM. With Gillette,
2: get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor. With exfoliating bar. All right, you're very welcome, along. It's Monday morning. It's OTBAM. journal with you through all the way until ten. We'd love to hear from you. Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number if you want to get in touch. On Twitter, you can use the hashtag OTBAM. You can use at off the ball AM or at off the ball. We don't care. However, you want to get your views across this morning. We're going to talk about the rugby. We're going to talk about the Gaelic football. We're going to talk about the Champions League, and almost all of it is in this week's performance rankings.
4: You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance
0: so far of the World Cup? Maybe not.
4: OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm,
3: I'm scratching my head
4: our performances have just
3: lacked that intensity.
2: Okay, this week, as every week, we give you the opportunity to um, enter a competition and to give us your views. I think many people have many views at the moment. I think, Owen, you've done a reasonable job this week of trying to capture one of the wildest sporting weekends that I can remember. It was pretty busy, to say the least. There's a
1: a couple of moments, I think, that probably punctuated the whole thing, from uh, Derry yesterday to the scenes of Ronan O'Gara and his La Rochelle team celebrating on Saturday, to, of course, uh, the match and all the scenes around the match in Paris on Saturday night and you were on the ground in Paris on Saturday night so I think that is the only place to start Paris in general as an event Ger, fair to say that this is bottom, rock bottom in the reddest of the red of our Gillette Labs performance rankings this morning
2: Yeah, very, 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 very lucky that something incredibly serious didn't happen at a couple of different points there could have been some very serious unrest uh, in advance of the game and then afterwards it felt like uh, oof, this is one of the worst stewarded events That you're ever going to see there was like a potential for multiple crushes um, pre-game and post-game the pre-game stuff I kind of didn't see most of the the pre-game stuff and I ended up having to walk around to get my accreditation but because of the way my accreditation was I didn't have a ticket and I managed to get like all the way to the stadium and to uh, walk past anybody looking for tickets any of the uh, police looking for tickets so that'll give you a sense of how easy it was to access the area, and so therefore, loads of people who didn't have tickets were there. About um, would hasten to add that uh, did feel like they were locals as opposed to uh, fans of any team. In fact, they were absolutely locals. Um, so that that kind of added to the tension pre-game. And then, when the game was delayed, obviously, it seems like most fans managed to get their seats. There's definitely stories of people who were so concerned about the pre-game that they decided not to go in and then afterwards like afterwards it was just bizarre I was waiting to meet somebody uh, and kind of there's one area where you all get funneled down towards the train station so you'd think this is going to be well marshalled because it's where everybody's going everybody's going to the train station and um, at one stage while I was waiting there out of nowhere it seemed riot police formed this kind of cordon to prevent people getting through uh, which was like where they had been told to go And then, all of a sudden, everybody turned around and started kind of coughing and heaving. And it was like, what's going on? What? What? Like, there was no scenes of violence. There was nothing. No one had caused any trouble. And for, like, pure, it seemed pure crowd control. They had decided that the way they were going to control the crowd to go in a different direction from where they were supposed to be going was by pepper spraying them.
1: Well, so it was pepper spray,
2: and you, well, you felt some, it. I saw somebody else say that they they saw a canister; they got hit in the and the leg with a canister. So there there must have been some tear gas as well. But um, this felt like pepper spray. Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you like you couldn't you couldn't knock at it. Um, What's that like? I mean, it's it's very unpleasant. It's not like uh, I was tear gas once before, and that was horrific. But uh, this was. Um, this was uh it it dispersed pretty quickly so it, afterwards you see the the scenes of them with like the small ones kind of like mosquito spray like and like we're little mosquitoes to be sprayed little ants that were the french cops the french cops made a bollocks of it basically that's the long and the short of it and they can have all of the investigations they want but ultimately the red herrings of the some people showing videos of uh, people climbing over stuff like, at every big sports event, there are going to be some blaggers trying to get in. But you know this in advance because you've run sports events before. But what happened here was the French police made an absolute bollocks of it. And then UEFA came along and were like, oh, oh, oh Liverpool? Let's blame the Liverpool fans. Uh, that's what's going to happen here. But it's not It's not going to wash. Like, No, you know. I think if there's one fan
1: base in the world that it's not going to wash with as well, it's, it's probably Liverpool fans. And I think it's gone down pretty terribly so far what UEFA have tried to do like so from your perspective the fact that you had accreditation as opposed to a spectator's ticket that probably made your experience beforehand a lot more present, uh, pleasant I should say did it? Because you kind of had more access to different areas or you could maybe avoid certain bottlenecks whereas well, a ticket holder you're kind of stuck with one entrance or, or what was that
2: like? At the end yeah eventually but uh, to get to get to where the accreditation centre was I'd come up from the train station and ended up doing a, a kind of lap and you could see like uh, you know I saw um in Rob Draper's brilliant uh, uh, Twitter thread, he was talking about the, like, there was huge uh, sponsor signs being held up. And then all these people in their suits who were, like, pro- the Prince sandwich brigade, and they were all hemmed in. I was like, this is very interesting. I mean, they've all paid a lot of money for these um, uh, corporate tickets, and they're not getting in, like... Uh, and it, it did take ages to get from the train station to the ground. So it, you were definitely feeling, okay, I've got about an hour here before kickoff is scheduled. So uh, you, you were there an hour before kickoff? Yeah. Because I, w- I would have thought that you needed
1: to be in there a lot earlier than that to have actually got in on time, it seemed. Cause uh, so, was, but
2: by the time we got to the ground, because everything had slowed down at that point, uh, it was still an hour before. Okay. okay. Um, and like uh, you could wander around if you were just on your own around the back of the stuff and uh, ultimately it was actually after the that I felt the most hairy uh, because after we got through that uh, bottleneck where um, so the cops tear gas people to or whatever it was to slow them down after you got down there there was this kind of very slow moving march which kind of it cleared a little bit and then there was the local youth, uh waiting for I got pickpocketed on the way in. Actually, that was the other thing that happened. What? What, what was taken? Nothing in the end because, like, I, I grabbed the hands. So you uh, saw the guy doing it. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, just, he just kind of was like, what are you? No, no. Uh, you know, what, what means, I could, like, You're not going to let me pick pocket pickpocket you? you." Exactly. You, you could see though that, like, um, because there was no there, there was no cordon, anybody who wanted to do anything could come in, and most people had their tickets on their phones, and so therefore. Phones were high currency, and so you know you can see how, uh, if you were of a mind to try and get a, a fan who's in a tight area that you could easily kind of bump, bump, bump up against. Um, so all in all, you would say it was one of the worst organised sports events. Well done, in Paris. Uh, and just one last thing that on the, um, the the gang of youths. That oh, on the way a, back, yes, yeah, so you, of way you back, kind yeah. of you have to you get kind of funneled past them. Uh, so it's like, you know, relatively easy pickings. Um, at that point, you're getting down to the train station, right? And then of obviously the queues start again and the train station, it, the queue stops at the train station. And you're like, we're going underground here. The only thing relieving the queues at that point are the trains coming. So you're relying on the trains as this, as this uh, pressure valve. And if the pressure valve gets delayed or something happens, nothing's going to stop it. The, the people are going to keep coming behind you. So That's terrifying. Doesn't well you're you're desperately trying MS. not to think well this isn't very good is it? I mean this could go this could go pretty quickly couldn't it? So there there were loads of police but they were standing around at one stage kind of doing nothing. And like right. they were they looked like they were riot police who were really only there to um you know deal with whatever riot they had predicted. As opposed to stewarding police, who were like, "Okay, you're going here, you're going here, you're going to the City Centre, you're going it," you know, like there was no sense of that. And it, like, is there? Is there? Really, I
1: wonder what, what happened. Like, how 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 did this actually like occur? Given, as you say, the amount of times that saint Denis has actually hosted massive sporting events, conclusions to massive tournaments have taken place there. It just makes you like. I mean, first thing that popped into my head was like the fact that they got the final eight contribute to this. Like is 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 it a very French thing you, to be you, like? Oh, we're not we're not working with two months' notice or whatever.
2: Or no, you, you, can't, you can't no because like uh, again to go back to Rob Draper's thing, like he he was talking about there was one specific area where three vans have been parked to to make everything narrow, but that seemed to be the the situation. So we had a friend uh, who went to the game and uh, like that had had ended up kind of the whole crowd had been funneled into like one of those tiny little corridors you know in in all the stadiums there's this kind of when you're going up the stairs like the stairs are kind of narrow but if everybody was going through the same stairs at the same time for all of the outside area where they were going to sit you know so say you took Crook Park or the Aviva um particularly the Aviva if there's you know you're going down the stairs after the match if everybody was going down the same stairs and that was the only access uh or egress areas that people had that's kind of what it felt like it was like we're going to funnel everybody in here and the other thing is if there's nobody telling you where to go you're like uh, everybody just follows the crowd because yeah. that that's what happens and so again there's nobody either side saying okay this is grand you're going to be here no you need to go there there was no sense of it being managed the notion that, that they didn't have enough time for it that's nonsensical I think Like, and if, they, if they're if they going to use that as some kind of defence it's like well then you can never have anything again thanks very much the trouble with that is of course that like, what happened at Wembley reflects horribly on uh, England's ability and the English FA's ability and the Metropolitan Police or whichever police force they had running that. But they're they're getting stuff again and they're like, oh, that's nothing to do with us. That was just those crazy fans on cocaine. Now you can't be blaming the fans on cocaine because actually it wasn't them. It's the police. And it's like, maybe everybody's just forgotten how to steward big events in the aftermath of COVID. I don't know, but uh, it did feel like it could have got pretty hairy pretty quickly. And the thing is, if it had got hairy, what were they going to do? But like, what's the contingency plan? What's the relief? How do you do? You just bring everybody into the train stations and let them like walk on the tracks? I don't know. Um,
1: the, the the fan park stuff was pretty grim as well, and uh, in, in many ways even even more grim. Like the the, the scenes from uh, obviously Paris in the city and that that, that fan park that got tear gassed. Um, was I didn't was, see that horrendous so like a friend of mine was in the uh, the fan park in Paris didn't bother going to the game uh, like when, nowhere near Saint-Denis and the situation was that at full time there were people trying to maybe go out an exhibition to gone out or trying to get, find uh, a, a spot in the fence to get out basically trying to, to not go the way that the French authorities told them and the French police's response was tear gas like indiscriminate tear gas Videos of people of all ages uh, covering their eyes uh, with, with what always being thrown at them, and then obviously you have that situation outside an Irish pub in the Paris city. the The French police were on one on Saturday night. It's
2: they evening. were, they were absolutely on one. Uh, they'd all obviously been watching La N and taking their uh, lead from history. I mean, they were like stereotypical French police. That's you know they behaved the way I expect the French police to behave. Hardcore shit kickers with no real regard for anybody's enjoyment of the event. That's basically what happened. And, um, you know, you would, I'm really looking forward to the Rugby World Cup. Really can't wait to see how France manages to steward the Rugby World Cup. You wouldn't have got that in Breathney Park. Uh, you probably wouldn't. Connor Moore was at the game. Um, you know him as Conor Sketches, but he was on speaking with John Malloy yesterday, and, and his experience sounded absolutely horrific. They were there really early. They had six tickets. Uh, they'd bought the same tickets together. And one of them, they're like, oh, this is a fake ticket. And it's like, what? They're all the same. And, but eventually, a steward let them in because they were like, we have the six tickets here. They're clearly in sequence. It's not. But loads of people wouldn't have had that. And loads of people actually weren't even given the opportunity to explain, no, no, hang on, this is true. Andy Robertson was saying that um, some of his mates were like, no, that's a fake ticket. And I'm like, I got it from, I got it from Andy Robertson. Mm. you know, uh, like By all accounts, too, the tickets are easily uh, copyable so I don't know I mean so UEFA have to take a portion of the blame Definitely. and the French police have to take a portion of the blame and uh, it, given that it's UEFA's gig it's their party they're the ones hosting it you would expect that they know a thing or two about hosting these at this stage like it is literally the biggest game in world football what was it like being in the UEFA party when you when you eventually get in the bouncer says yes tonight is your night man Um, I, I like the Real Madrid fans are amazing Um you know they they absolutely were they were on one and they were absolutely enjoying what was going on Uh, because the longer the match went down without a goal the more tense it felt like the Liverpool fans got Um, and then all their worst fears are uh, come true Uh, like I mean so
1: from from being inside the stadium any any other nuggets from what happened to Liverpool or
2: they just got absolutely Ancelotti is that what happened? It seems that way, yeah. I mean, there's been not that much analysis of the football because of what happened. So uh, you'd, you'd hope that, I mean, I presume uh, Klopp and everybody else, but you'd hope that they, they try and absorb some of the lessons of the smash and grab. I see Michael Owen's getting murdered for saying that, oh, they're still the best team in Europe. It's like, you'd have to say, I mean, they might still be the best team in Europe, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's Real Madrid who have once again won the European Cup, despite not being the best team in Europe. So fair play to them because that's all that matters, and I I, I say that in like the most glowing terms. Uh, well done. We should all be taking a leaf from the most successful team in the history of world football. Mm.
1: Yeah, like it's like some of the individual collections of Champions League trophies in that Real Madrid squad is is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, like I mean, uh, Michael Lowen saying that a team can beat a team that they're not necessarily better than is is not exactly rocket science. It doesn't necessarily Prove that but I think really it's just the, the, you talk about running the gauntlet outside the stadium I mean Real Madrid ran the competitive gauntlet all all season long and uh, took the very very hard path to the final like listening to Klopp afterwards was, was interesting that he was saying the Madrid are incredible the, posi- the possession was 50% but we had more shots more shots on target but the most decisive one they had they scored and we did not it's the most simple explanation in football he, he was then saying I think Madrid shot once and scored a goal I respect them competitively whatever you do within the rules it's fine We've had to defend ourselves on many occasions and uh, I think maybe he's just a little bit upset with how Real Madrid set up but gave them plenty of credit as well, lots of respect to himself and Ancelotti at full time and uh, we've seen this in the, the last couple of weeks with of Klopp as well when uh, things don't go Liverpool's way. He's not overly happy which uh, again isn't exactly uh, a, a completely un, non-understandable reaction when your team has lost such a massive game. But actually one of the more interesting things afterwards was... Um, Tony Cruz getting really pissed off with German TV. I
2: I saw Cruz. I didn't hear what the question,
1: what the crappy question was. The question was essentially uh, it was was giving Liverpool credit and the the plan to keep them out. I I, I don't have it in front of me here, but he uh, he said he'd 90 minutes to come up with uh, two shit questions. And I uh, walked away from the interviewer has another pop off him again when he's walking past I think there's probably a bit of a pent up frustration maybe German coverage of football and is it overly negative potentially I don't know but it seemed that there was a bit of uh, beef there between Cruz not necessarily in the reporter but just uh, I, th- I think it was kind of predictable potentially
2: from his perspective two negative questions he said he can tell right away that you're German he said yeah so mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it turns out every every footballer in every part of the world is subjected to the same thing. And maybe that's what makes him uh, such a great footballer. No, potentially, w- w- anyone in the flesh that stood out. Uh, well, Courtois is pretty good at football. Um, I, the, the, the Real Madrid ability to always be in position and to like manage to thwart the team who seem to be far superior to them—that is quite impressive. Yeah. And Trent, like Trent's very good. This, uh, this let's scapegoat Trent. I'm not down with that. Like Liverpool are not Liverpool without Trent, and so therefore, you just have to realise that that's not going to be um, not going to be possible. Kanata played very well. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was a, like very high end football. The uh, Mo Salah killing the ball with you know at pace wherever however it comes to him uh, is also very impressive. Um, were
1: you singing your own team? team songs when Camilla Cabello was singing no you weren't singing an Aston Villa song no in the dressing room why are you supposed to she wasn't happy she deleted a tweet she said playing back our performance and I can't believe people were singing their team's anthem so loud during our performance like my team and I worked tirelessly for so long to bring right vibes
2: and give a good show yeah I were mean, the vibes right no because everybody's like why is the game delayed what's going on how did that happen and so everybody's immediately on social media going oh hang on a second what's happening what are they doing the cops are what Oh, this doesn't sound good. Because, um, you know, in the stadium, when you're not watching the TV, it's very hard for you to know exactly what's going on. Although, apparently, according to Gary Neville, BT's coverage was crap. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Did you see this? I actually didn't see Gary Neville's tweet. Uh, I didn't see that I just read about it in the back of the Telegraph. Uh, I mean, in fairness to the Telegraph, they're using it as another opportunity to uh, kick Jay Humphreys, which, you know, on this show. Uh, Alan Tyres is the man you want to read this morning. Um, in one of those inspirational interviews he's fond of Humphrey once attributed his career success to never sitting in a comfy chair perhaps when occasions demand football broadcasters need to get off the soft furnishings and out into the hard world of actual events Uh, Gary Neville Adam Crofton said surprised BT Sport don't have a team on standby outside of stadium getting little to no sense of the major story from the broadcaster and Gary Neville replied are you surprised I'm not they can't react or aren't agile to things like this happening well, hey, that's bad. Um, yeah, in fairness, Sky do have a news team who were covered it and covered it really well. Yeah, so that was uh, the Champions League
1: final. All of it, uh, I guess, this morning in, in the red. One of the worst sporting events ever. Don't go to the Champions League final, says Jerry Gilroy. Provinces are next up in the amber this morning because, in fairness, there was a bit of glory yesterday from a neutral standpoint. That pitch invasion... In Clonus, seeing the scenes with Derry, winning their first Ulster Championship in 28 years. Connacht final was a, a decent game as well. You had two teams of a, of a similar standard going up against one another. But I think if we were talking about this on Saturday night, the provincial football situation would be rock bottom. It would be in the, the reddest of the reds. Um, but I think what happened yesterday kind of kind of brought it out of, out of its slumber. How, how much of Kildare Dublin did you get to see on
2: Saturday? I, I chose uh, to... This game didn't happen. At the weekend, it got cancelled. I heard some something about uh, not enough people showing up, and so therefore they decided that they weren't going to play the game. Did, did am I wrong? Uh, no, that's exactly what happened. That's they
1: just gave the the cup to James McCarthy and they moved on. He he seemed very thrilled to uh, be
2: receiving said cup as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, he did. Um, the like uh, obviously it's it's very very predictable. I mean. To, to a degree there, there was definitely talk this year that maybe Leinster could have been competitive and it wasn't there was talk during the week that this game could have been predictable or could have been competitive rather and it wasn't so is this, was it was it overly predictable that this was going to happen to Dublin like I definitely had a hunch on Saturday afternoon that Dublin were going to kill him that was just kind of like a you mag- did
2: you stuck it in the WhatsApp group yeah I think I, all week long I was definitely trying to not get too carried away and didn't get too carried away but you're still hopeful that something is going to happen like Uh, What I had hoped was that the vanilla defence that Kildare had been playing in the league and in the championship to date was somehow not putting something on tape for your opposition. But actually, it turned out it was the absence of a proper defensive strategy. And uh, against the dubs, that might be a bit of a problem. Particularly this form of the Dublin team, which are like in the cycle where they're trying to be explosive and because their their own defence is not great at the moment they realise they're going to have to score massive scores to win matches against good teams and they have the players to do that so Dublin Go to Football the Provincial Championships are a complete joke and need to be put out of their misery but what's worse is we're going to get the Pigs Mickey next year of the Round Robins as somebody reminded was it somebody on the on, uh, late night ga? last night was like there's going to be a, s- a situation where the round robins uh, where the round robins happen and then one of the four teams gets eliminated yeah like what what are we doing what are we doing why are we keeping these I didn't see what the attendance figure was I, was it published I did, I'm not sure what what there was at Dublin Kildare but it wasn't just Dublin Kildare it was Dublin Mead and the women's football yeah and the yeah. Mead footballers are bringing about 10,000 to matches yeah true so I would say the Mead footballers women's footballers are potentially the biggest draw in Leinster football at the moment Hannah Terrell scored a late goal Dublin won that rivalry is going to explode hopefully they'll play a game later on in the year maybe northern final like that's now the biggest game in Leinster football but nobody it seems in Leinster football cared enough to advocate for something better so they can all. Yeah,
1: well, like, what's what's interesting is that the two, obviously, the two most depressing sporting events from the weekend were probably the Leinster men's senior football final and the Munster men's senior football final. And, like, we've we've spoken about this so much in the past where nobody's getting anything out of this. Like, the the, the players aren't getting anything out of this, and that includes the Dublin and Kerry players. I think Brian Fenton was on the record last year as saying that Proposal B would have been a positive step. Declan Darcy was on the show saying Proposal B would have been a positive step. We know for a fact that we don't know what Dublin voted on the day. There's a suggestion that maybe they were anti-Proposal B. They definitely didn't come out in favour of Proposal B. No, they, they, they never they
2: lobbied for it once. They never publicly said, we think this is a great idea. Actually, it's going to benefit us in the long run. And doing the numbers, it seems like they may well have voted against it. We can't... Yes. We can't say for sure, but...
1: And the same goes for Kerry, and in actual fact, what you had, what, what you can go on are the, the public pronouncements that were made around it, and again, Kerry didn't come out in favour of this thing at the time, even though we know that people coming out in favour of it would have made a difference, would have re- really made a positive difference, and Kerry instead, on the day of the vote, their chairman got up and said, we need a roadshow To bring this thing and lobby opinion around the country because they just hadn't done their research. More more
2: time. We need more time to talk about this. We've only had uh, since 1884 to look at the provincial system, but we, we definitely need more time. And I think that kind of
1: spoke to, to, to Kerry and Dublin, both pussyfooting around the opportunity for change. So they've done their players a disservice, I think, because I really don't think the Dublin and Kerry players benefit from this whatsoever. Their careers are wasting away in provincial championships at the moment, and they've pretty much thanked their county boards for that. But at this point, what is absolutely crazy is that even the provincial councils aren't benefiting from this. 14,500 people show up to Killarney, on Saturday, an absolutely glorious afternoon, and 14,500 people show up for a monster final. Like, it's absolute, like that, that's, I know, well, in fairness now, they were charging 40 euro for a stand ticket, uh, for Killarney on Saturday. So maybe they will actually make a, a hell of a profit off what's going on because the tickets are, are so expensive. But it seems to me that even the coffers are going to speak for themselves, uh, uh one way or another eventually, and that the provincial councils will surely realize that what they're uh, trying to produce here is absolutely pointless. We
2: obviously heard. They don't care. They don't care. No, and we got that from... evidence has been before their eyes for the best part of a decade, and they don't care. And I think that probably the evidence was before
1: everybody's eyes last year when the provincial uh, officials were on the record in a multitude of different places talking about uh, their views of of change and, you know, Turkey's voting for Christmas and, you know, change of Brexit proportions and, um, like, potential disaster talk about what would have happened with change. They managed to keep the status quo... And probably more worryingly, they've managed to usher through change that, or something that masquerades as change for next year that might keep their house in order and keep their their power base strong and once again we'll probably have a month or two of time wasted early next year when it could be much better spent and these players could be much better served, the fans could be much better served and the sport could be much better served
2: We're stuck now with the with the Pigs Mickey for the next three or four years because it'll be like oh we can't go back to that, we have to see how it goes we have to wait and see what the impact of this is because there's no evidence and it's like okay well we, we really know we've actually built in the failure of this structure for the next uh, number of years before we're going to be able to go back again and go okay okay please please let's just have a proper league based system with three or four tiers ideally four and away we go like the game notwithstanding all of the criticism uh, of the Ulster football final the game is actually in a much better place than it has ever been uh, with regards to the skills the the tactical and technical ability and the proficiency of the players like anyway
1: yeah, uh, let's move on to the Greens. Uh, we've left probably like 30 seconds for some uh, dose of positivity for your Monday morning. Um, Nottingham Forest, uh, which is uh, an extra, extra or in there for a good measure. Uh, their 23-year exile is, is over from the uh, the top flight. Um, Steve Cooper's done an incredible job here, won the playoff final yesterday. They made their worst start to a season for 108 years at the beginning of the season. Then they get rid of Chris Houghton. Steve Cooper comes in, the 14th manager they'd appointed since 2011. And uh, apart from one week spent at the top six in February, they didn't get into the playoff places until April. So they were the form team in the division coming into the playoffs. They, they timed their run to perfection. And maybe we should have paid a little bit more attention to their cup run, you know, beating Arsenal and then Leicester and then that one 0 defeat to Liverpool. It was it was a pretty excellent run. Obviously you've got Stephen Reed involved in the setup there. He's been I think to Wimbledon I think a couple of weeks ago I saw that. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. You'd imagine he'll he'll hang on and see where this, this Premier League journey goes for Nottingham Forest. But just a uh, fantastic uh, storyline to have back in the Premier League Leeds getting promoted a few seasons ago Nottingham Forest back in there You're, you've got a very very good collection of, of 20 teams in the Premier League next season with, with plenty of narrative and then at the top of our performance rankings this morning is of course uh, Ronan O'Gara uh, Kevin has been in touch to say egg on the face Day, Ger, oh, and it's just been deleted. I in the face, Day, Jer, and all the OTB crew. Tip Leinster, none of you gave o- O'Gara team a chance. Kevin, of course, I presume, predicted La Rochelle to overturn the 12-point underdog tag that they had. Uh, Dave says, lads, I warned you about hubris. You might as well write the opposition team talk for them. And yeah, I mean, I, I predicted Leinster would win comfortably on, on Friday. I definitely... Uh, all the hype around this so it's interesting to to see what the verdict will be on this obviously the La Rochelle game plan was close to perfect it seems and I think that listening to Ronald O'Gara's post-match comments on BT on Saturday they were very very interesting he said that he spotted nuggets in the Connacht game in the Leicester game and they utilised those to to, to or he, said he had stuff to work on basically with, with those sort of nuggets that he got and it clearly manifested itself in a brilliant brilliant game plan and he was also very interested in talking about at the end of the game, where he thought that Leinster could be hurt in the last twenty minutes, that Leinster kill a team come half time, and if you can hang in there at half time and still be in the mix, you have got a very very good chance. And I think he was pretty happy with the scoreline at half time. Like the fact is, though, Leinster were up by eight points, and they were favourites before the game, and they they were on paper it seemed anyway the, the better team. Maybe that's not true. Maybe maybe we, we just totally misinterpreted this matchup completely. Maybe the bookies got it spectacularly wrong. With, uh, with a 12-point favourites tag beforehand or maybe Leinster with an 8-point lead coming down the home stretch should have done more, be- uh, a lot better and maybe they just completely bottled this on Saturday evening. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, the truth is. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably get to the bottom of it as, as the week goes on.
2: Yeah, we're going to speak to Alan Quinlan in just a little while. I'd love to hear from the Leinster fans and supporters what they think as opposed to the goading Munster fans. In fairness, goading Munster fans, today is your day. You, you, this is actually probably going to be your week and... Um, who knows what the rest of the season is going to hold? It has the potential to go juddering off the tracks for uh, Leinster at this point, but um, I don't know. I, I also don't know. Sometimes you get beaten in the final by uh, a an, an fairly amazing cup team who clearly have uh, a bit of a maverick genius in charge. And um, does that mean that they didn't bottle it, or does that mean that they did? I don't know, like you, um I do, I do know that uh, there's no excuses. Like they can't have any excuse about what happened. I mean, I know I see them kind of complaining a little bit about the refereeing, but like um you know, you've got the best team in Europe. You by all the stats, by all of the all of the available metrics that we have to analyze the match pre-match, you are the best team in Europe and um you put yourself in a position to deliver and then you don't deliver. That is the ultimate kick in the team. Mm. That, that, and that is really interesting because you talk about the stats there. That was
1: one of the, the big storylines going into this game is that when he looked at all the metrics that seemed to matter, it put Leinster on a pedestal above every other team in Europe. And then he listened to O'Gara afterwards and it seemed that his game plan was quite an analytical one, that it was based in numbers. So I'm not sure, that, did he just kind of interpret the, the data a little bit differently or... Or, or or what it was, but it seems it seems very very interesting. Some, something happened in, in their pre-match analysis, and like uh, <laughs> he gave Donnacharain plenty of credit in terms of what what he was saying in his temporary French to the pack as well in the build-up to the week. And that pack obviously was was always going to be a weapon that if Skelton was fit, could have been something that that was going to hurt Leinster, and as it proved, the the, the, the winning try uh, was was exactly from a uh, ro- ball up the jumper sort of ropey.
2: When. Um when you saw the team being named and Skelton in it, did you um, feel a little bit like the morning where Joe Canning told you he wasn't going to retire and then uh, half an hour later he retired? Was it exactly the same as that when uh, you had O'Gara on the show last week? I wasn't here. You had O'Gara on the show and you're like, oh, Skelton's playing. No, no, probably problem." Actually, not, yeah, no. that's we should, you should clip that actually. Yeah, I, think, I think it was Adrian who asked him, is Skelton going to
1: play? And he's like, no. Well, in fairness, he would go on to say that there is, there, there is. There's always a chance. The chance.
2: I've told him to basically take the rest of the year off. <laughs> I will yeah. see
1: you next season well, for pre-season. Well, it shouldn't. Uh, it wasn't the, the talk of Leinster that uh, that whole vulnerability to power had been corrected. That <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could have uh, eight Will skeletons in that pack, and it wasn't going to matter a jot because this Leinster team this season was uh, was a new Leinster and they'd managed to get over the lessons of the Saracens games and the, the La Rochelle game and they were back with a and back and burlier than ever I think was the Leinster tagline wasn't it?
2: John says thanks to Rog for giving every coach who will play Ireland a blueprint to stop them playing yeah thanks Rog is basically the uh, some of the Leinster fans I think um, you know uh, it's fairly like that's how that's how rugby works isn't it better that we learn this now as opposed to in the group stages of the Rugby World Cup next year. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We always, uh, on Sunday into Monday, give you the opportunity to win a Gillette Labs shaving kit. To be with a chance of winning, let us know who you think should make the performance rankings. The best place to enter is um, uh, today on the YouTube, or you can uh, tweet us at OffTheBall. And um, yeah, we'll read out the rest of your entries over the course of the rest of the show this morning. That is this week's performance rankings.
4: OTBAS performance rankings with Gillette.
2: You're done. Were there other shout outs this week? Were there other shout outs this week? Claire um, could have been in the red, really, couldn't they? Who could have been in the red? there could have been in the red. Yeah, there's only so
1: much time for uh, throwing people under the bus on a Monday morning. Claire could, there, could, could, there could have been more red, Derry could have been more green, I think. And, and Galway definitely. Uh, Galway's just kind of ni- nicely floating under the radar yesterday, I think, uh, given of the historic scenes that. That we saw in Clonus. So, um, I don't know, It's, a, it's that, that side of the championship is going to be very, very interesting. I think when you look at yesterday, though, I think you're looking at various potential
2: All Ireland finalists. We'll talk about that with Anthony Moyles a little bit later on. Six minutes past eight, Mark Lawrence is up next. Stay tuned. OTB AM. Nine minutes past eight this morning, you're very welcome back to OTB AM. Keep your comments rolling in. 0879 180, 180 is the WhatsApp number. Or, of course, you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream. Now, Mark Lawrence, good morning to you, how are you?
3: I'm all good, thank you. You?
2: Um, I'm OK. Um, good. I'm wondering what you think the difference between the two teams in the end was on Saturday night.
3: The goalkeeper. Um, I, you know, I, listen, if if Liverpool had played the same way as, as Madrid and won the 1-0, we'd be waxing lir- lyrically about, you know, how good they were defensively the goalkeeper and all those kind of things. So, so, so I'll get all that, you know, and, and, and Madrid, they won it, good luck to them, but they were battered. They were they were taken apart work. I mean, the goalkeepers. Some of the saves the goalkeeper was making were were unbelievable. And um, just one of those things. I'm afraid sometimes the best team doesn't actually win the big games.
2: Is there anything that will give Jurgen Klopp some pause for consideration about what he does into the future? Is there is there anything you can do when you come up against a team who are as gifted as Real Madrid in terms of their playing personnel, but who are also so tactically? Uh, I don't know is it is it astute to decide you're going to defend and just be very strong defensively. I don't know how astute that is. Like it's
3: uh Yeah. Well, it's basic. easy. It's easy. It's easy to do that, but I mean it's <clears throat> and I and I get that, but I mean the number of times Liverpool got in was was just mad. But if you think about a final, there are relatively few clear-cut chances. Liverpool had lots and you'd expect Jürgen Klopp must have analyzed that over the weekend and kind of thought you know, how on earth did, did we not score? Um, you can't go on there and actually score for your, for your team, can you? So they've not suddenly become a, a, a bad team. It just They just couldn't score. And, you know, um, I previewed the game the other day and I was just saying about M- Madrid, which was, when you look at them, you know, Chelsea should have beaten them, PSG should have beaten them, City should have beaten them, Liverpool should have beaten them. We all know that. But, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, your name's on it. And I just think that's exactly what it is with Real Madrid, and you don't have to go and look into too many kind of footballing reasons why. It's just the name, the name was on it, and you know the centre forward has been brilliant. Um, doesn't have a shot at goal, so their plan, their plan worked perfectly. But I'm just frustrated from Liverpool's point of view because they should have won that comfortably. I think if they'd have scored one, they'd have scored two or three. But it is what it is.
2: Yeah, it did, it did feel that way it did feel like they were so dominant particularly in that first half where uh, the shot was just not dropping and the opportunity wasn't just going in mm. um I, I, how deflating is a, a defeat like this in terms of the longer term plans i mean it's great no. that it's no. Like, no you just blink it away is it, or
3: yeah, well i don't i want to say blink it away i mean they will analyze it but no because because you know in that competition I really do believe Liverpool have been the outstanding team and they cruised through everything um, in, in in all the games. They had that they had that really iffy first half against Villarreal and then reacted, um, which is sign of a good team anyway. Um, so no, I don't I don't I don't think Klopp will take too long to, to analyse that. And um, he's lost in finals before, as, as as we all know. And I don't think he's even that kind of person. Which is you know we should have done this, we should have done that. He's very much look we did so many things right we just actually the hardest thing in the game is, is, is scoring and we just couldn't manage it but I just go back to the fact they made so many chances that you know you think you at least would have scored one goal to take it into extra time so great for Real Madrid um, mind you listen to what, what I saw the interview that Perez gave I mean what the hell is he talking about him he's like he's on a different different planet him
2: I missed that what was he then?
3: Well, you saying well, you know, we know all about Liverpool and that, and Manchester City because now they can afford to buy, you know, the best players. They've got all this money. Well, hold on a minute. <laughs> Didn't Real Madrid, Real Madrid, used to buy all the best players, you know? And that was—I just thought it was really, really petty. But I think that's part of the not having the European League because you know he was he was obviously one of the great, not great, but well, one of the leaders in that and trying to get the, this European competition. Up and running, and I think he's got the massive hump with all the English teams because obviously they all pulled out. So, um, but he was talking absolute. Well, it begins with B and ends in S, and it's eight letters. Uh,
1: He said, "Effort, self improvement, respect, humility, and solidarity is what underpins this Real Madrid success. Of course, all characteristics of Florentino Perez.
3: Listen, this 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 is the Real Madrid that the Spanish FA bought the training ground off for a massively." Um, inflated fee massively inflated to keep them alive so I'm not I'm absolutely totally not having him really at all I, I know, you know I, I like I, I like the manager and I like they got some outstanding players but I'm not having Perez he's up himself
1: He probably feels a little bit put out by the Mbappe situation a couple of weeks ago as well so he's like yeah. screw you Paris yeah. I came and I got sure. what I really wanted
3: yeah well yeah we'll give good, good luck to him but I mean you know M- Mbappe's allowed he's allowed to change his mind I mean and his deal he's got at, uh, at PSG, not not just the money, but it looks like he's, he might even be choosing the next manager or the way they play and all those kind of things, which is mad, by the way, to give that to, to one of your players. But there you go. But yeah, look, you know, he, he, he said to Madrid in the end, I'm not coming. And, and Perez, obviously, he can't be beaten, can he? He's one of those guys, you, you cannot beat him. He's, and he's going to have the last word and good luck to him.
1: It seems that this Real Madrid team is like the crankiest team ever potentially and uh, as a club they're extremely cranky like you mentioned the, the Perez stuff there the, the guy yeah. who's always got to have the, the final word like even Courtois afterwards saying that he needed to win on Saturday because I don't think I have enough respect especially in England Like you have the disagreement between Tony Cruz and the German reporter afterwards he feels that he was being asked a question that was, that was too negative it feels that I'm not sure is this deliberate or not but it just feels that this Real Madrid squad have a group of people who have a mentality about them where it's us against the world.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which works in football. We've seen it on on, on many, many occasions. And I think, you know, for Cruz and Modric, um, you know, coming towards the end of their careers and obviously proving a point. I I think the thing with the goalkeeper, that was just, um, I don't know who voted for that. Whether It was the top 10, was it top 10 goalkeepers either in the Premier League or Europe or whatever. And and he wasn't in it, which is wrong anyway, because he's always been a very, very good goalkeeper. So... Um yeah, obviously it fueled them and, and, and it worked. Um and he said, didn't he before the game, Courtois well, said something about, you know, we are Real Madrid and we always win and um he absolutely totally Hey you he backed it up and, and he was right, wasn't he?
1: Do you see any commonality between Liverpool's performance on Saturday and maybe the the failure to score goals in the two other Cup finals this season?
3: No. No, and I'm not I mean no, I mean, the cup no, notoriously, are extremely tight, aren't they? Um, I think the only thing with Liverpool, you might say, in the last, shall we say, the last kind of quarter of the season, one or two of them started to look a little bit leggy. I mean, they played something in the region of 60-odd games If you played every single one. So regardless of, you know, diet, um, you know, training, travel, all the, all those kind of things... Eventually, it does catch up with you a little bit, but we thought, we thought Klopp sort of overcame that because, you know, we, we know he's got 20 players and, and even there's cover for everybody. And, you know, if you shout at me like Trent Alexander-Arnold and I say, well, Joe Gomez played right back and he's actually played really, really well. So you might say he's got cover there, but everywhere else he's got cover. Maybe they just got a little bit leggy um, and also, you know, a little bit of expectation that then this is the real chance to actually win the quadruple, which looks to me like I don't think it ever it's ever gonna be done. So no, not really. I don't you know, you look at the season and, and I've seen most of the games live as well, is they they've been outstanding. They they really seriously have. And just just at the end they've started to look a little bit Tired. I mean, if I I sat here with Klopp, he'd probably slaughter me saying that's not true. But they they have done. I mean, um, Salah started to look a bit tired towards Yen, Jota um, and one or two others. And it just didn't work for them. But if you started the season, you know, just go back to our days. And, you know, obviously four competitions that we were always in, fortunately. And all our, our boot room guys would say to us, you know, if you win something... One thing we take it now, and the rest was an absolute bonus. And people used to think, "Oh, well, what what are you going to win this year?" And we went, "No, it doesn't work like that way." Because three of the competitions are cup competitions, aren't they? And obviously, it's a league. I think the league's always the important one because that's you know the, the true thing about um, the length of the season, the games, the travel, um, all those injuries, all those kind of things. But I mean, they've won they've won two competitions, and and. I, I, I watched a little bit of Sky and they were saying oh well does that mean it's not a particularly good season and I'm thinking like really? They've won two competitions and out of four and it's not a good season no that's absolute rubbish I
2: also think that like they, they went to the very end like you know any, yeah. any, any season where you're still in it with half an hour to go in the league and half an hour to go in the Champions League like that's an amazing achievement and if, yeah. if football's only about victory then that's not really the whole point nah. of football
3: no Listen, that, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's that'll be the first time ever, ever that they played in every single game they could possibly play in, um, and that's a, that's as you rightly say that's a feat in itself. So no, I think it's like heads high and stuff. The only the only probably <coughs> excuse me the cloud on the horizon now is 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 Marnie going to um, buy Munich? Um, what's happening with salary? He's saying I'll still be here next season, but does he mean? He's there, and he's just going to see his last season out and, and clear off somewhere else. So um, there's an important few weeks coming up with Liverpool. I think
2: if if that does happen, if um, you know, cause it probably looks more likely than not that, that Mane will go at this stage, and it yeah, looks more yeah. likely than not that Salah will run his contract down and, and try and yeah. do what Mbappe has just done. Um, and you know, if you were advising him, you'd probably advise him to do that. So what what does that mean from Klopp's perspective, it, like? Does he try and convince manage to stay for one last season and say, look, you're going to be going to the World Cup? We know what you're like. We're going to be able to manage you either side of that. Yeah. You know, you trust us because we've done that before with the, the AFCON. So, uh, or do you go, okay, I've got to take the 25 million or whatever money they offer. And then, you know, we've been good at recycling and Luis Diaz comes in and starts. Uh, That's why we have Diogo Jada. Yeah. Uh, what what What's your instinct?
3: Well, my instincts would be that I think they they will have somebody lined up if Marne goes. I think they're talking about forty two and a half mil, aren't they? Um so the way the club's been run, in all honesty, and you know, you know a bang on about recruitment. So um the new head of recruitment you would have think would have thought has, has got a list of players if Marnie goes, a list of players if uh Salah goes. And that's just the way you've got to gotta to go because you know if, if you're gonna pay Salah and Marne absolute fortunes then that's a real real problem because Van Dijk turns up at your door if you're the manager asking for a rise. The goalkeeper turns up at your door, um, and then it's like, well, you know, you've still got to run the football club. And in, in fairness, their football club is is run absolutely brilliantly. And as as you know, the number of players that they have bought between the kind of thirty to forty million region is, well, it's just been absolute quality. They've, they've already been good players, as everybody knows, but. But Klopp's made them into... Well, to be honest with you, he's made them into uh, world-class players. So they know they can do it, but occasionally you get it wrong. You know, the, the, you know, the guy you bring in or the guys you, you bring in might not quite work, but, but that's the gamble that you take. But it's it, there's a bigger thing here, which is obviously, you know, the future of the football club. I mean, the Americans, that they must be looking at, obviously, for, was it four and a quarter billion? Yeah. Chelsea have been bought for? Yeah. The Americans must be looking and thinking... You know what? If this starts to go awry, we can sell it and we and we can walk away. But they've been—I think I've said to you before—they they've been brilliant with the manager. They realise what they've got, and um, they don't—they trouble him. Well, they don't trouble him. I think they hardly ever even speak, only because they don't need to. They've got a uh, uh, the, the chief executive Liverpool Billy is is American himself, and he he runs a day to day, and he's very much switched on, and they've got they've got a great thing going for them it's just the, on, the only one two competitions out
2: of four tough uh, One last thing the the goal and Trent's role in the goal is something that yeah. he's going to be singled out for again and again it's it's um, people look at Trent and they go and they've decided oh he's a, a liability in defence they're, they're somewhat in the Gareth Southgate camp and then others look at Trent yeah. and go on balance he's one of the best players uh in the world in terms of efficiency at creating chances. And so, yeah. like, the, is that not just a ball game with Trent? Sometimes you're going to get, like, issues?
3: Yeah, You've but- got a, I think I think that's the way the manager looks at it. it. You know, it's very much you take the rough with the smooth. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's not, he's just not switched on defensively, like, you know, 100%. So... And obviously, he loves to go forward and play. I mean, I mean, his deliveries, we know, over the course of the season, has been has been outstanding. Um, I don't know, there's anyone who's better at that position? or the, the boy, the boy at Chelsea is a top top player as well. But yeah, you just you just you just have to take that. I think what what the positive far outweighs the negative. And generally, you know, when he's played, and Henderson's played, Henderson's kind of been the guy that kind of tucks in there. Um, but everybody knew that it was going to be a problem with, with uh, Vinicius, isn't that, Junior, so he's, he's lightning, lightning quick and that's how they got the goal but look, at the end of the day, I mean, Liverpool should have scored two, three or even four. so, um, yeah, you just, you've you got you got to live with it. I mean, um, you know, in, in our era, we played with Alan Kennedy and, you know, Alan Kennedy scored in all the major, major finals but, you know, God love him. He, he, he wasn't. He wouldn't be one of our best players. But you know, you could look after him. Um, I mean, Hansen played alongside him more than me because I was like the right centre back, and I was the left. And Alan Kennedy was obviously left back, and and we cope with it. Um, and that and that's all that you do. So you know, if you've got a left back who's like going scoring, winning goals in cup finals, you then can't turn around and say, well, you know what, defensively is a little bit iffy because nobody's perfect, as we know.
1: And, and like the, that, it kind of shows the line that we expect from top-class defenders in the modern game as well. That you know, he didn't do much else wrong throughout the game. Like I thought in the FA Cup final, he was excellent defensively. But I guess being yeah. good defensively, the attitude is well, that's your job. You know, you don't get commended for it except when you make well, that one mistake. Yeah,
3: the the only thing I would say now about that is is you know the two full full-backs in Liverpool's game in, in Liverpool who play regularly. I mean, and I don't know. I've never looked at the stat. I would imagine they have more touches of, of the ball than nearly everybody in the side, apart uh, part maybe from Thiago on occasions. But you know, so they are they are backs but basically they are they are backs without the title, aren't they? Cause just I mean, how many t- how many times do you see um, Trent crossing it into the box? Yeah, and who's on who's on the left side trying to get in there? But Robertson, so. That's that's just the way that they play, and you know, Klopp's a very intelligent guy, and he he knows that occasionally they'll they'll get found out. But they've had a, they've had an outstanding season, really seriously, have, and um, you know, all, all credit to them and all, and all credit to the manager because the other thing that he's done, not just winning the trophies, is manage the group, and and to manage the group and keep everybody happy is unbelievably difficult. I mean. Fergie started this off, didn't he? And I think I've said this to you before, but Fergie started this off at Manchester United where he had a really good squad, say 18 to 20 players. And he would say to somebody, just say, I don't know, say it was a Phil Neville. Say, Phil, you're not playing tomorrow on Saturday, but on Wednesday we've got a game and you're playing. And that way you keep everybody happy. You don't have anyone trying to break your door down. Saying, you know, why why am I not playing? Mind you, no one would be wise enough to break Fergie's door down. But um, you know, that that's that's the thing with Klopp, and I think he's is everybody's friend in terms of, of the players. You can tell that he is, and he's, he is actually more than a manager to them, and that's that's why he is so good because he's got this skill that a lot of other people in the game just do not have.
2: Um, I I know you were watching the game in Dublin, but. Did any of your mates have a bad experience at the game?
3: Uh, no. no, 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 nobody. No, but my mates are a little bit different because um, they, they were they were flying in, in private jets and all that kind of stuff. So they, they were all sorted. But I mean, that was I don't know. I mean, somebody said to me, "Well, no wonder with the French because of Brexit, because of because of Great Britain and Brexit and all that kind of stuff." But I mean, look, that's just that, that is it's actually terrifying um i saw a few of the interviews that the one with the with the, the dad and the lad and the, and the lad had one or two issues i mean he got sprayed as well i mean can you imagine you know being a father and, and that happening to your son and he was on, only looked about eight or nine but yeah i, I think the French were just like you know we're going to treat you are animals we're going to treat you like animals and um and typical uefa they change their story don't they and you know, as well as I do, that probably nothing will come out of this at all. Um, but, hey, that's UEFA for you. And, and, and I'm afraid that's the French. And, and I love going to France, but it's just that's the way they are, isn't
2: it? Oh, the French cops were the worst stereotypical French yeah. cops. They were, they were pretty grim. Mark, great stuff. Thanks so many for being with us. Cheers. Thank you. It's Mark Lawrence and giving us his thoughts there. OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. What did you think of the football?
1: Yeah, like as, we're, as we were saying earlier on, like I think that like, Real Madrid came with a very Real Madrid plan that everybody knew that they were going to to bring to the table. I think the fact that they had kind of uh, toughened themselves up through this path to the final of them, no harm whatsoever. The fact that they had won their domestic title uh, quite a while ago to them, no harm whatsoever. And they're an absolutely brilliant team. Just because Liverpool and Manchester City were spoken about as the two best teams in Europe doesn't mean that... Real Madrid can't also be an absolutely amazing team like on paper a brilliant team and like I think the Courtois situation like talking about it didn't get enough respect in England like is, is that true? It's something to do with 4 like, so that, that specific article that, Laura, that Mark was referring to there That's
2: apparently where it came from okay, I mean you know, they maybe he didn't get as much didn't they, they boo him did the Chelsea fans boo him at some point? Was there some kind of like oh? There, I think that that might also be part of it, and like this all goes back to we were talking about this with Phil last Thursday. It's the Michael Jordanification, Jordanification of sport, where the elite are desperately trying to find the thing that they can pin on their metaphorical what? What's the sporting equivalent of Pinterest? <laughs> like that's it. I I think
1: that's all it is, isn't it? Yeah, but they have that in spades, this, this Real Madrid team. Was he definitely man of the match? Was there anybody else? I'd we'll probably give it to Courtois, right? Who were the other contenders then? Well, yeah. Vinicius. I mean, for like, it's he, very convenient to just give it to the, the, the winning goal scorer. Um, yeah, he probably is. The significant moments were the missed opportunities for Liverpool at field, I Felt. And uh, Courtois obviously. Was a was a pretty big something back for Liverpool in those in those situations. Like the
2: Salah right foot shot is actually right at him, mm. just to to pick nits here, right? Yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, it. You know, it's kind of the job. Um, it is right at him. He gets a strong hand on it, and it doesn't go anywhere else. And Maybe the, the save in the first half from Sadio Mane is better, is it?
1: Yeah, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> the post. Yeah, the, the the Mane save is is probably a bit better, right? Like, um, like Mark was obviously saying there that Liverpool could have been could have three or four. scored three or four goals. Like um, the XG is actually higher than I thought it was. It is over two for for Liverpool. Um, the XG was yeah. That's the type of stuff that gives you nightmares. Yeah, I actually because like as you say, like the shot was straight at quarterback for that for that sad opportunity. I didn't think it was it was actually going to be that high. Like and the other thing uh, from the XG philosophy, obviously, is that Liverpool scored zero goals from six point one two in cup finals this season. So that that's the thing that. Well, it's not going to sting them because in two of the three cup finals they ended up winning, so it's not something that they lose too much sleep about. And also, as well, like it's, it's very, very interesting to kind of think about what the the conversations will be in Liverpool this summer in the aftermath of Saturday. Is it something that they just put away and as, and they're like that's just one of those things, or, or or can they or do they have the luxury of actually digging down into what actually happened?
2: Like, if it had been two legs, if it if it was a two-legged final, would you have given Liverpool? You probably would. Well, yeah,
1: if they, like, a, but the, the, the things thing usually is, correct themselves statistically over a longer period of time. And that, but the
2: the way that this competition is set up, that's not going to be possible. And also, Manchester City are such a machine that while Pep is there, you would expect them to win every league. Like they'll be, they'll start every every season Pep is there as favourites to win the league. And they've made a noticeable improvement before
1: next season already, which we can point to. Liverpool, this this money thing is is a just a little pebble in the shoe of Liverpool now, to say the least like they need to probably make a decision on that pretty soon and when i say they i mean like sadio mané's representatives on behalf of of liverpool on behalf of doing liverpool a solid uh they should probably be making their mind up pretty soon with regards to what happens like liverpool have set their price as we mentioned there like it'll be over 40 million quid uh that's not exactly well it is something that in, in liverpool's recent form can get you a good, a good replacement but there will still be uh a, question of uncertainty around the replacement they get for that price unless they just stump up a bigger price for, for somebody better it's hard, it's hard to even think off the top of your head who the potential replacement might be because I think uh, Jota while very well established in the Premier League kind of came out of the blue as a Liverpool player and Luis Diaz obviously kind of came out of the blue as a Liverpool player so Liverpool will surprise people probably with the signing that they make to replace Mane if he leaves but that also comes with an element of risk. And Liverpool have a very good record
2: on, on these risks paying off recently. So you'd back them to get it right, but you can't be fully sure. OTBAM brought to you live 20 by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, Dahi says, go to Croke Park for games. You can't get to Clonliffe Road without going through the ticket checkpoints. My cousin was in Paris and said you could get right to the stadium without a single check. That is correct, Dahi. Uh, Dennis on Trent says, Trent Alexander-Arnold, clearly a great player, but also clearly not a great defender. People have a pop because the media and fans regularly describe him as the best right back in the world. He's clearly not. Is he the best right wing back in the world? Like they don't really play with traditional fullbacks. They have a, a back four where we know where the two fullbacks are, but they're not really fullbacks. They're actually wingbacks. And maybe if you think of him as a wingback, you don't expect him to be the best defender in the world, but he's certainly uh, the best right wing back. Uh, Trent's defending was excellent all game. And then that happens. Cruel world, says Brian. I do wonder if they'd all stepped up. Like, it, like it, it, this, it, it, there's a possibility for them to step up and then he's offside. He didn't. Uh, waiting for the Munster fans to celebrate their third star this weekend, not realising that if France beat Ireland in the Six Nations or World Cup, your man Rog will be one reason. Plus, he turned Munster down. I don't know. Did he turn Munster down? Like, it's just a, n- not, not the... Yeah, you know, it's not the same. Uh, he's on a different trajectory from Munster at the moment. Uh, Alan says, performance of the season from La Rochelle, Leinster didn't play their best, gutting. Still don't think Leinster bottled it, just didn't peak. And La Rochelle played better than I thought they could. Uh, rugby is about size. The biggest team won, says MOC. I don't know if it's, if it's that straightforward. We should probably just decide we're giving up on rugby as a country and we're going to put all our effort into football we 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 we'll give you the sevens. You can have the sevens, but we're not big enough. So yeah. all the good rugby players should now be Gaelic footballers or centre backs. Yeah, Dublin would win even more All Ireland. So uh, I met David Myler after the game. Oh yeah, David Myler's is huge. Yeah, he is absolutely huge. Yeah, professional athlete David Myler He's like I was like I look at I'm going. I did not realize because we've like only ever met over the the miracle of Zoom, but like in person. I can see why you're sticking him straight in the team. Very impressive <laughs> specimen. Uh, and like, did this kind of like stunt your conversation a little bit? Like, were, were you just it was after the game, game, and he was, he was, he would actually had a, not a great experience getting in, and um, so and I had to go and meet people, but I was like, wow, you're very impressive.
1: It's good game, Joe. and Jer was just there in a stunned silence.
2: Anyway, no, it's because um, normally you meet people and they're like smaller in real life. Not the case. Yeah, David's taller in real life. Yeah, ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Big reaction to Mark Lawrence and being in studio with uh, John and uh, Johnny and Dan on Saturday afternoon. You can get that on the OTB football uh, soccer stream, football stream. Right. Team OTB are taking on Triathai this June. It's all in partnership with Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential. Check out Whoop.com for more. My sleep stats over the weekend, not great. Oh, what are they telling you? About four hours. Okay, you can, you can live on that for maybe one or two days. You can subsist, I would say. Um, here's Olympian and Irish athlete, sorry, Irish triathlete Carolyn Hayes giving us some pointers. We called this segment Triathlon for Dummies, and we were certainly the dummies. Have a look.
4: Okay, guys, thanks for coming today. So you've all signed up for the triathlete, you've uh, 10 days of training left, um, and I suppose what I'm here to do is just kind of make sure that you approach the next 10 days as aggressively as as you've been approaching, you know, the build-up to the race in general. (laughs) So obviously, today's topic is triathlon for dummies. Okay, do you know, I'll start with Does anyone know what a triathlon is?
1: What if, in a hypothetical situation, you hadn't done a huge amount of training up to this point, and you had ten days left? If there are people out there who are looking for that type of advice, not me. What would you? People, what would you be saying? Other people so on the team, maybe. Yeah.
4: You're obviously talking about other people. Not yeah. Yourselves. No. Just. Okay. So yeah, I mean, if you've, if you've absolutely nothing done, you haven't even gone to your local pool, you haven't swam a width in about ten years. Um, I would say a couple of hail marys.
1: Would it, you go at it? Like, would you? Would you sort no, of try? Would you no not? Point. Okay. There's, there's no, point. no
4: point. I think you'll be fine, right? Well, I don't, but like I think you'll be fine.
2: Nothing to worry about here on. So it is this Saturday? Sunday. Sunday,
1: okay, you got an extra day that were that that helps. And um, what um what's on your to-do list to get prepared between now and then?
2: Well, one of the things that we went through in that longer piece, which uh, I think will be released later on this week, is the equipment. And there was definitely a... Ooh, I have to think this through. Like, uh the bit where you're taking off your wetsuit and then transferring to something other than a wetsuit is <laughs> like... um you have to practice this. Can anybody look good taking a wetsuit off? I'm not sure it's possible. Maybe like you know, if you're Michael Phelps, young and young and healthy. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're at least young, but you know, you're getting there on the healthy front. Uh, so maybe you should try this. I mean, I, this this would be just try taking off a wetsuit. That does sound pretty torturous. <laughs> this this uh, maybe next year that could be. A, you, you could just do the transition part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that it's going to be a little bit tricky. Because you do your training separately, right? You don't train for the transition bit. And then you get there on the day and you're like falling over. And like, should you not train for transition bit? I mean,
1: yes, Owen.
0: Is that not something
1: that you can actually prepare for? (laughs) Is that that not uh,
2: something that you can absolutely prepare for? Uh, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, However, I've decided that um, my uh ambition here is not to do this fast, it's to do it well. Okay, yeah, yeah. I will do it well. I will, f- I will, <laughs> I will finish.
1: What are you laughing at, Frick? I just have this image of, like, a strange man in the North Dublin area, projectile vomiting while getting out of his wetsuit in preparation for this weekend.
5: Who are you talking about?
1: <laughs> Thanks for your uh, continued support, Owen. Yeah, well, I mean... The thing is, like you, you do have this ability to kind of like come up with like a performance out of nowhere. Like you, you won't, you won't finish last. I mean, I might. I did the last time. Literally finished last. I know, but you were like up against actual athletes. Like I mean, you're not going to finish last in the OTB team, are you? Uh, well, but who else is doing the full? Who's else is doing the full triathlon?
2: Uh, young, fit people. Okay. Tommy Rooney. You're going to beat Adrian Barron in swim. Ashley O'Reilly. Okay, but your your task
1: here your job now is to beat Adrian in the swim that's your one to win and who, who what other non-young people are doing uh, Brian O'Driscoll's doing the cycle after that part yeah there's one issue there obviously yeah he's going to kill he's me he's Brian O'Driscoll yeah but then Nathan's doing the, the run okay so there are your two targets can you beat Adrian in the swim and Nathan in the run probably can't beat Nathan in the run Kay. He's got, like, a good half a decade on me, even though it doesn't look that way. I know. Um, so that comes
2: down to one last thing, really, to just swim. Yeah, I think I could probably like lean on Adrian literally, as not, as opposed to metaphorically, in the water. I could lean on him, and that would like definitely cause him significant issues. It, it certainly would life threatening issues. I would have. I, would well, have not, I don't want to threaten his life. I don't want to, that. Would be bad just in case anything happens to him. I feel a little bit guilty afterwards. Yeah, you, you know, probably would potentially end up in prison, and that wouldn't be good. But I, you know, I think it's it's reached that stage now where you're in that sweet spot of the adrenaline started to kick in already a week out. I'd say maybe a weekend in Paris. Not the best preparation, yeah. But I will at least be off the booze for the next week. But that—that's the most important thing. Did you did you indulge much at the weekend?
1: You got the Champions League final. You're in one of the better cities in the world. Of course you did.
2: Yeah. But did the triathlon come into your head at any point? No. Okay. You've, you've got to, to you've got to separate your life into these little compartments, <laughs> and in the style of Homer Simpson beat it down until you never think about it again. You're tapering. Well, that we, we did we did talk a, a lot about tapering and how. Real athletes would be in Legitimately in, in the taper uh, you, you do a hard enough run Three or four days out I'm probably not going to do Any running until the day itself Because yeah. I don't really like running And I find it very bad for me But uh, But this swimming is cycling I'll do a bit of that this week Okay I think you'll be fine Thanks for the vote of confidence Yeah Team OTV are taking on triathi This June Today is the 30th of May It is next week it's all in partnership with WHOOP, the personalised digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential. Check out WHOOP.com for more. And that um, full piece with Carolyn Hayes, we'll uh, make sure that gets broadcast or podcast at least because there was um, definitely some funny bits in that where that she's a very interesting athlete, like a qualified doctor who is also representing Ireland in the Olympics. You know, one of those underachievers in life. Uh, it's 8.42. Carl Malani
4: with us. Carl, good morning to you. Hey, lads, how's it going? What is going on? Uh, so, we just have the draw made for the Talchin Cup uh, quarterfinals. So, here it is in the northern section Leitrim at home to Sligo and Fermanagh at home to Cavan. And then in the southern section, Carlow versus Westmeath and Offaly against New York. So, that draw. So, just give us to us again. We've Go. never seen these pairings before. Who is it? Leitrim versus Sligo in Carrick and Shannon. Yeah, okay. That's Fermanagh never happened. Fermanagh against Cavan. Fermanagh against Cavan. Yeah. Harlow at home to Westmead and Offaly against New York. Okay, New York at least is a, yeah. A good narrative
1: attached to that. That's the, um, oh, I forgot his name. The Offaly supporter. He'll have seen Offaly. He'll have he'll have been in New York watching them obviously play earlier a couple of months ago. Yeah, and obviously his beloved Offaly now at uh, at home to New York in that fixture. So
4: yeah, so the, the ties New in York next twice. Weekend. I think that's I think that's it's, it's in New York. Yeah, no, no, no they're they're Offaly in home, Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. Um. I think that's a reasonable enough draw, to be honest. I think It's so. just that they are games we see every year. Mm, yeah, Leitrim and Sligo's going to get a lot of interest. Um, Fermanagh against Cavan, probably will generate a lot of interest.
2: I wouldn't have minded seeing Sligo versus Cavan. Leitrim versus Fermanagh. Or yeah, yeah. Leitrim versus Offaly.
4: And, I don't know. I think in terms of crowd numbers, though, you're going to get a bigger crowd for Leitrim against Sligo than you would Leitrim against for example Carlo at home to Westmead That's a good draw for Carlo They had a great win yesterday Against, uh, against Tipperary um, So like, I think Are you saying Westmead They're probably the favourites For that game against Carlo For the overall competition now Themselves are Cavan Awfully.
1: Awfully, would they be third favourites potentially? Yeah, like I mean, the from getting the win over Antrim at the weekend as well was such a, a step forward for them, and yeah. uh, like that, that and also, as you say, the Carlo win against Tipperary were the two really striking yeah. results in the weekend. Like yeah. that, those results for me are exactly why the Talisman Cup uh, exists and and the sort of positivity that you can gain from it. Like they were technically upsets. That and the Talisman Cup
4: games this weekend were the games of the weekend
1: yeah absolutely and the thing is that when you have these teams um, in, in a second tier competition you're just increasing the probability of the upsets like of course you can have brilliant uh, brilliant giant killings in the provincial championships but it's just just very very unlikely um, yeah. because of the, the golfing class between them but but it seems that we're getting getting a bit of excitement out of this thing so far
4: yeah I think it was a great weekend for the Tajan Cup to be honest um, the matches generally speaking across the board were very very competitive um, lots of open kind of stuff and now these teams are all one game away from crow park in a game on national television which is the real carrot for the likes of you know leitrim have a home match now to get over sligo to to get to crow park uh, carlo as well at home to west there's an opportunity for them to get to crow park so i think this is where the focus really comes on the competition and the possibilities that it presents to the counties uh, comes into focus i think from now on so i think it's been a good start i have to say to the talleyton cup and uh hopefully it continues and so Sligo feeling confident no Leitrim will be favourites based on the weekend Sligo were very lucky to beat London and um, went to extra time and they saved a penalty in extra time uh, Leitrim had a smashing win against Antrim and played very well by all accounts they caught some of it on the radio in the car on the way down and uh, they were well ahead and Antrim that's a, that's an Antrim team that I know they lost some players but they were pushing for promotion from division three so Leitrim will be high on confidence um, Awfully, were good against Wicklow by all accounts as well they, they got over that one pretty comfortably and Wicklow had been in good form so I would say you're looking at Westmead, Offaly and Cavan obviously as the three favourites in the minute and uh, Fermanagh had a good win over Longford got a late goal to, to win that game so yeah I think those three teams that we mentioned and then beyond that Leitrim will have a lot of confidence Sligo will hopefully Get a couple of guys back. Niall Murphy's carrying a bit of a knock. Uh, they'll hopefully have him back after next weekend. But um, I think these ties will generate quite a bit of interest. Yeah. Okay. We have the uh, qualifiers
2: next weekend, and then after that, the draw will take place that, provi- that pits the beaten provincial finalists against the um, the teams in the qualifiers. So all of the games from this point forward should be relatively good. Although you yeah, can this see be, this
1: weekend, just this weekend should be an excellent weekend of football. Yeah, like, like you be can better.
2: see, um, you know, it's going to be difficult for Kildare to recover against one of those teams in the qualifiers because most of the teams in the qualifiers are good. Yeah. And uh, and also, what kind of form will Limerick be in when they're playing?
1: Who knows? Like, I took another... Drubbing. like, but then on the flip side of that is like is you'd look at a team like Donegal, who should be one of the favourite teams coming out of the provincial losers, but they'd also be just on such a downer after yesterday as well, given the manner of the defeat and uh, yeah. just the re- repetitive nature of their defeats
4: over the last couple of years. It's very dependent on the draw though, isn't it? Because you have yeah. Cork and Louth and you have... Meath and Clare. Me than Clare, so with no disrespect, but they're in terms of league ranking, would be the lowest that's who the Goals want, that's who Kildare probably wants, that's who they all want, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, you want to avoid the winners of Mayo Monaghan and yes.
1: Armagh uh, Tyrone. yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think the same probably goes for, for teams in the All Ireland quarterfinals as well. Like we, uh, as you say, next Monday we'll probably have a very good idea of, of the, the bracket for the entire All Ireland Championship, but I think in particular. And I'll be particularly concerned about Tyrone if they win this weekend. All of a sudden, their season is back in the line. Now, I do think that because of the situation that we've seen all year, they are particularly vulnerable this weekend, and Armagh could well beat them, especially given the fact that the game is on and the athletic grounds. But I think that this weekend could be a springboard for a team like Tyrone. It would be nothing new whatsoever, though, were we to see Mayo using this weekend as a springboard and, and go on a sort of run. Yeah. But I think uh, everybody needs to be on red alert. About the Tyrone
4: football team. Apparently very good at football. I'm not sure if anybody uh, realises that. But aren't Dublin and Kerry on the same side of the draw in the All-Ireland series? So the I job. mean, it's a huge opportunity for Galway and Derry. I, th- I think Derry a
1: will make it. Huge opportunity. The, again, we'll, we'll know next Monday probably a lot more. But I think Derry are in a very good position to make the All-Ireland final now. I I, yeah. I, I do think, though, I think from maybe the perspective of people... For Dublin and Kerry, I think yesterday's Ulster final result was a good result for them i think Derry coming through the back door in that all ireland quarter final weekend would have been a massive danger would have been the biggest possible yeah. danger to those two teams and i think now that they won they're they're out of the picture i think donegal are a much more known quantity and i think Kerry or Dun- Dublin would beat them in a quarter final if they make it that far and that is a draw
4: yeah okay and are Derry ahead of Galway in the pecking order for the All-Ireland Series zone? So you have welcome. them, by yeah. the virtue of what you're you saying there. Well, uh, yeah. Granted, on the teams they've beaten so far, they so they're ahead of them in the power ahead. rankings. They are. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, but Galway obviously move up a place. Galway will probably leapfrog Mayo now, officially, after yesterday. I was concerned that, that Galway were going to lose to Roscommon after they beat Mayo a few weeks ago. And that obviously didn't happen. And I think that actually, in, in the end, three points reflects well on Roscommon after, oh, after yesterday. So uh, I think Galway... Truly, the best team in Connacht on, on current form yeah. at this point, and like they're they're looking at that as a potential All Ireland semi final against Derry if the draw goes
2: their way in the, the quarter finals again with, with travel etc. I only really caught the last ten minutes of the Connacht final where it was like this game is home and holes done and dusted absolutely over, and then you are like, yeah, still somehow managing to let the zombie back into yeah. the game, and they That's did that against Mayo yes. too,
4: yeah, which is a big worry for Galway,
2: and it's been it's been part of this team's makeup, yeah. So you would just be a little bit concerned against a good side. Like, one of the top-tier Division 1 teams. Yeah. Like, at the same time, though, were, I think that's something that they could maybe... Correct
1: and improve on over the next little and while. Maybe
2: maybe the game was done, and so therefore it was a bit of complacency. Possibly, but that's
1: not the winning mentality you want to see. No. But like another thing that Galway can think is like Paul Conroy scored one point from play yesterday. Was late in the game. Mm. Uh, it felt like garbage time at the time. So that's another thing they can point to and say, well, that that's not going to happen again. Uh, he was marked well. He, he'll probably be, he'll probably be better on the scoring front anyway the next day. So I, I'd be quite excited if I was a Galway fan, especially considering yeah. you're on the opposite side of the draw.
4: I agree. I think Galway could just give it a real rattle this year. Yeah. All right, what else going on? Uh, well, let's uh, just recap those provincial final results from yesterday. Galway beat Roscommon by two nineteen to two sixteen to win the Connacht title, and Derry beat Donegal by one sixteen to one fourteen after extra time. clonus to win the Ulster title. Uh, in boxing today, two Irish boxers bid for gold medals at the men's European Championships in Armenia. Dylan Eagleson meets French fighter Bilal Banama in the bantamweight final, while middleweight Gabriel Dawson goes up against England's Lewis Richardson in their final bout. Both men ex- into the ring uh, in Armenia after three o'clock Irish time. Uh, Celebrations for Nottingham Forest yesterday. They're heading back to the Premier League after 23 years away. They beat Huddersfield Town by a goal to nil in the Championship playoff final. They were bottom of the table when Steve Cooper took over in September, but they ended the season in fourth and an own goal from Levy Colvert at Wembley helping send Forest back to the top tier. In tennis, uh, Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic will come face to face in the quarterfinals of the French Open. Thirteen-time winner Nadal booked his place in the next round with a win in five sets over Felix Ogier Aliassime while. Djokovic had an easier clash in his uh, his fourth round meeting with Diego Schwartzmann, which he won in straight sets on the court today. Stefan Tsitsipas, looking to reach the quarterfinals, he takes on Denmark's Holger Rune. Later, world number two Daniel Medvedev goes up against Marin Cilic in the women's singles. Top seed Iga Swiatek battles against Zhen Kinwen of China in the fourth round. In golf last night, informed Scotty Scheffler was denied another PGA Tour title. He suffered a playoff defeat to Sam Burns at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, the Masters champion. And at Burns, finished on nine under par, Burns made birdie at the 1st playoff hole to take victory. In Formula 1 yesterday, Red Bull's Max Verstappen extended his advantage at the top of the Drivers' Championship to nine points. That's after a third-place finish at the Monaco Grand Prix. The standings leader crossed the line behind Ferrari's Carlos Sainz and race winner Sergio Perez. There was a lengthy delay there to the start because of rain, and a red flag for barrier repairs meant the event was shortened due to time restrictions. And finally, there's racing today in Ballonrobe, where the first of seven is off at 10. Past five this evening.
2: All right, Carl, good stuff from that. Uh, more from Carl across today day on otbsports.com. Now, OTB AM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Time for us to turn our attention to uh, rugby. Um, very quickly, one comment before we get to that. Barrels, Sir Gaelic football is over as a provincial competition despite the best efforts of teams like Kildare. They're still miles behind any notion of winning Leinster, never mind in All Ireland. But Dobbs has the solution, it'd be great. If they could just run the provincial championships like an under ten blitz of a Saturday morning, free up two months in the congested calendar, and save the rest of us watching that nonsense. That's a good idea. Let's do it. Fifteen minutes aside, no, fifteen minute games, and that's it. And then at the end of it, there's a trophy, and there's a, a little injection of, of cash into the players' funds. And Then we park that and we play the real, the real stuff.
1: I think so. I think I think that could work. Good. You might
2: people might even show up to it. Yeah, like you could have a free kick competition or a what's the equivalent of the dunk competition
1: yeah exactly the uh, the, the, the solo while looking up competition yes really. yeah. that's the, the, new, the new skill on the block so may as well that's the thing it's like uh, standing in the sun I didn't, I didn't put on factor 50 for this it's kind of what I felt at the weekend like it's like what's why are we here how
2: quickly was that game over I literally heard nobody say anything about the, the game I, you know, Clifford <laughs> wasn't playing oh Clifford's not playing what's going on it's like well they realise this game doesn't matter at all yeah, there was only nine points in it at
1: halftime, and it oh. was twenty-three points at the end. Right,
2: that's a good second half from Kerry. Second, yeah. second half,
1: they won the second half. They won, <laughs> yeah, they won the second half. It was, uh, it was somebody I was with on Saturday said that Desi Farrell should use the Peter Keane line at full time of the Kildare game. You know, if you take the goals out of it, there's not actually that much of a difference between the two teams. Uh, and uh, if you did take the goals out of the Dublin game, there would have been only one point in it, whereas close, Kerry, close. Kerry, kicked loads of points, six scores therefore, in it, you would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, therefore. Um, the point-kicking extravaganza from Kerry is, is, is more impressive on earlier on Saturday, of course. Limerick just didn't show up? Yeah, not really. Yeah, oh, It's just like such a non-event. It's All not right. even like What can you even say about
2: it? We'll get to that in um, a little while more with Anthony Moulds. If you've got a view, 879 180 180 is the WhatsApp number. Uh, we're going to speak with Alan Quinn now. Here's a taste of what Ron O'Gara said to BT after La Rochelle beat Leinster. Have a listen.
4: We did a lot of homework, I think, in the fact that the... <laughs> Connacht game in Galway and the uh, Leicester game gave me enough ammunition to work with. We knew also that Leinster are usually out of sight in the first half. So at halftime, even though it was only five points, it felt like a defeat for us. But the boys were like sunk, and I was like, "What's your problem?" You know, because um, the data shows in the last 20 that um, we score 60% of our scores while Leinster do it in the first 20.
2: Yeah, there's a good bit more there where he's talking about that, um, the bits in the, the Connacht game and Galway, in the Leicester game, and he, he felt he saw something different. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you.
0: Morning, lads. How are you?
2: This is like an all-time great Irish coaching performance from O'Gara. Like We should start there as opposed to uh, what happened to Leinster because because um, his reputation is now secure and... Uh, the opportunities that are going to come his way over the next decade as a result of actually getting over the line in this competition you know fair play to him but in the here and now what's your what's your take on what O'Gara has achieved
0: um, it's incredible really um, and with respect to Raj, I think none of us really saw this happening um, I had his kids before the game giving an out to me about doing the TikTok video for EPCR um the morning of the match, predicting Leinster would win by eight to ten points. Um I said it with G last week as well. And that's based on the performances Leinster have, have put in, particularly the, the quarter final, semi final. Um but look, obviously knowing Rodge the way I do and having played with him, uh, no matter what the odds are against him, he'll always believe that um whether whether he was a player or a coach um that he can win he has that winning mentality and um, it obviously translated into his into his players um and they they believed as well and i think the probably the most impressive thing was their their never say die attitude and the desire and the the will to win they kept going um at eighteen ten, we all thought it was gone for la rochelle and lens would just manage the game um, at that point with 15, 20 minutes to go and and just and see it out, really. That was probably the predictable result. Nobody really saw that one coming. But um, I did say to people, and I had this feeling of, uh, during the week, that La Rochelle are, are a very, very re- re- resilient team. Uh, there's a hardiness and a toughness about them that, um, you know, they, they're... they're you, you compare them to Toulouse in the semi-final, you know, Toulouse have so many superstars, loads of guys in the French team. La Rochelle don't. Of course, they have three or four international players who are playing regularly, but um, their collective drive and desire was what got them the results. Um, if, you, if you look at the game tactically, Ger, and um, it was just one of those things that um, you talk about the masterclass of Rog, um, obviously to get them motivated and the emotion right to, you know, tactically get them really organised defensively, uh, not making a lot of mistakes. I think if La Rochelle lost the game, they certainly would have looked at her discipline because they give away a lot of silly penalties. And um, it's probably a little bit like myself when I played, you, you kind of have that, that kind of drive and emotion to, to to really be confrontational and that's the way they had to play and they jumped the gun a lot of the time they give away lots of penalties probably lucky they didn't have somewhere in the bin um, for those penalties I know Laval was, was, was sin bin for the trip in Gibson Park but that kind of high pitch emotion that they had continued for the whole game and, and they did stop Leinster they you know the wraparound passes the accuracy that we usually see from Leinster when they they're so dominant. Um, they didn't have that. They tried it a few times, and just the end result was La Rochelle. Somebody got their timing right, and they broke it down and forced Leinster to be inaccurate. So it was um, it was a dog fight, and Leinster got dragged into a, dig- a dog fight by a very resilient, powerful team who had their own opportunities. I was surprised how. Ambitious they were with the ball, particularly in the first half as well. They were going wide a lot. and um, It was a really intense game that Larry Shell just never gave up. And I think they, they rattled Leinster.
1: O'Gara was saying afterwards that he looked at the Leinster and Connacht game. He looked at the Leinster and Leicester game. And he picked bits from those games that gave him hope and a game plan for Saturday. So what did he see, do you think, in those games that, that informs his approach to Saturday?
0: Um, prob- probably, um, you know, the game in Galway. And I, and I look back at the, the, the games as well and I thought, is there any chink in the armour here? No matter how good any team is, there's, there's probably moments in games that you look at where the opposition had you under pressure. How did they do that? Um, I think uh, both of them were, were, were kind of responses to Leinster being ahead, weren't they, in the Connacht game in Galway? It ended up being very close in the end, 26-21, I think that game, first round 16 game was. Um, the way they fought back, the way they um, were really aggressive, Connacht, and and uh, put pressure on Leinster and kept the ball for long periods. Um, the Leicester game, probably the response after being 20 nil down as well, um, they upped up their intensity. It's a reaction when you're behind on, so mo- most teams will do that in any sport, but... I think he obviously saw some stuff there that if you play with um, that abandonment and that bit of aggression and really kind of uh, tempo to your game, that maybe that will not suit Leinster and that you can ask some questions if you keep the ball for a long period. So that probably gives them a little bit of hope. Um, and that's what we all spoke about, wasn't it, going into the game? How would La Rochelle you know, shut them down, uh, shut their, Leinster's really cohesive attack down and that that quick ruck speed, you know the the against Toulouse it was so impressive. It was one and a half seconds the ball is coming out. Um, go after the set piece as well, and I think they did so in the scrum on Saturday. Um, with the replacements they came on um, Wardy, Slavi, Sh- and uh, and Facundo Bosch, and the Argentinian hooker. Their impact off the bench was really telling in that last twenty minutes as well. So. Um, no kind of one thing that you could pick out, but I would say being aggressive, confrontational and, and holding on to the ball, that probably would have given them hope. And there's nothing obvious in any in any of that, I think. Um but I think the belief of, of La Rochelle, you know, they're a fi- they're they're a very physical side and I think that's what they you know, taking all the tactics out of it, I think that's what they really needed to bring. Eighty minutes of of, of being really physical and winning collisions and they didn't always do that you know Leinster had them on the rack a few times um, but I just think they unsettled Leinster's attack and that was their that's Leinster's biggest strength where where they've punished teams this year
2: From Leinster's perspective then how psychologically damaging is it that they have been unable to get over the line when they're in a winning position with 20 minutes left to go with 5 minutes left to go with 3 minutes left to go
0: Um, It'll be a hard one to get over I think given it's it's always difficult, Jarrod, when you're favourites and you're expected to win, um, and you're fancy to win, I should say. Um, you know, you, I, I, it was strange. I was I was down around the the touchline before the game and just watching both sets of of coaches, and I was kind of thinking to myself. You know, as a player, when I was back there, like somebody's going to be heartbroken today. And you look at Leo Cullen, Ronan O'Gara, Dunneke Ryan, Felipe Cantipomi, Lancaster, um, all walking around and doing their jobs. And you're just thinking, you know, it it, it was kind of, I was kind of visualizing who's going to have that success and that glory and how is it going to pan out, I think. And um, it's, it's, it's about getting it right. And I think what what went wrong for Leinster was probably very small margins. Very small margins, I think, and it will hurt them a lot and it will psychologically damage them. But a lot of our players haven't experienced this. I know they had a lot of experience in the side, six or seven fellas who's who've been there, but there was there's a number of Leinster players who haven't been in a final before. They're on the scene relatively they're pretty new to this 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 you know in the last couple of years playing for Ireland and playing at this level in European rugby. Um, And it does, of course it has, it affects you, but you learn from it as well. And I think Leinster have evolved so much in their attack and they probably have to realize that, um, you know, it's not all about attack. I thought, I thought Johnny Sexton going off and he got bruised and battered. I thought he was a big loss to them. Um, I know probably people are questioning the the, re, the the decision to run the ball out from his own try line. But I think that when Brees Doolin had that drop goal, I think it was the way the ball bounced and came straight back to, that, to the, the in-goal line, the, the try line. He wasn't sure, was he going to bring it back over if he touched it down? Um, and then he passed to, to Hugo Keenan. They got tackled there. Uh, Boogery the hooker, gets a brilliant turnover. And they score a try in the corner. I think that was that was the kind of moment in the match really that really turned that second half and gave La Rochelle that hope that you know, particularly they kicked into the corner and scored. So look, psychologically I think they'll be they'll it'll it'll be damaging, but not to the point that this team won't bounce back because they're they're too good. They still have a lot of youth on their side. Um, and look, they're hard to win. These competitions are hard to win and maybe Leinster probably were maybe it was a bad thing that they were so dominant against Leicester and, and Toulouse and that they probably left their, their worst performance of the year for for the final and that was look a lot of that was down to La Rochelle as well and that fight that I was speaking about so um, it will be difficult to pick it up because this was one that they, they really had one hand on the trophy before coming before the, the whistle kicked off or the ball kicked off in that final
2: we're, what, So this is the 30th of May today the Uh, World Cup is next winter, uh, 2023. Do we still think that Sexton starts five games or maybe more for Ireland? Or do we now just have to bite the bullet and say Sexton needs to be on on the field at the end of games and the only way to do that is to bring him on after an hour?
0: I don't know, Jerry. I haven't really thought about that. Um, I think it's... it's, um When, t- when a team loses, you start picking out individuals and st- picking out people and what went wrong and what you can change. I just think it wasn't it wasn't meant to be for Leinster. I just think um, a couple of things went wrong for them. And like I said, that was down to La Rochelle's brilliance and quality and fight. We,
2: we had a lot of text earlier on I suppose about um, how there's a blueprint here to stop Ireland and uh, you slow down the quick rock ball you mm. slow down Gibson Park's impact on the game by slowing down that quick rock ball and all of a sudden Ireland's creativity and Leinster's creativity will be swallowed up so if you're, if you're the All Blacks watching this you're like ah okay I see something here and uh, I don't know in those circumstances maybe you have no chance if somebody else starts the game that might be the case it'd be good to find out though like if, if Sexton's only ever going to play 60 minutes, are you better making sure that he's at least on the field for the end of the game? So that there is all of that game now and intelligence steering you out of difficult situations?
0: Again, um, I'm not sure because uh, it, it might be something to look at. And maybe, maybe in the next 14 or 15 months or whatever it is to the World Cup that we may see... That situation where he is he is on the bench and and I know psychologically if you were in a good and from a scoreline point of view if you were ahead um, having someone like him come on and, and close out a game it wouldn't be a problem to him I think he can do both um, I don't know if you're going to have a happy Johnny Sexton if you're not starting him but um, it is an option it is something that could happen but it depends what you know what. what What the other situation is with the other fly halves, and if they're playing well enough to start the game and put pressure on Johnny Sexton, I think the performances he's shown this year has shown his quality. He hasn't played a lot of games, Um, and we heard you know um, know, Hugo Mola talking about that after the Toulouse game. You know the number of games; Intermac at twenty seven, started twenty seven games for 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 uh, this year. Um, and Johnny had started, I think, 11 or 12 and been involved in 15 in total. He was off the bench for three or four. Um, so you are going to have to manage that that situation going forward with him. But um, it is something that may be maybe an option. Um, but again, I don't think, I wouldn't like to think that got were beaten up here and um, that uh, it's a real worry and a concern. I think their game management deserted them a little bit when they were 18-10 up I think there was a real crucial moment uh, in in Leinster's in, in, in the La Rochelle half where, where Leinster were were really looked like they looked like they were stretching um, they were stretching uh, La Rochelle and they were going for it and Liebenberg um, he got a Vian Liebenberg got a, an incredible turnover maybe on the 10 yard line and I think that that was again it was a, you talk about big moments and games. They were hanging on for dear life. They had two or three players down on the ground, and the six for La Rochelle comes up with a, an incredible turnover. Now the, the scrum half Bergeon taps and he went. I don't think his teammates would have thanked him, but it just showed that um, it gave them a little bit of a lifeline. That turnover there was a big emotional uh, effect, and at that stage, Leinster looked like one. One or two more rucks and, look, La Rochelle were gone. They were going to score a try. Um, And then for those 15 minutes, I just thought Leinster probably should have kicked a little bit more. So it wasn't down to that they were bruised and battered, but they just kept – for some reason, they weren't able to just get away from La Rochelle. So I think when they they look back tactically, I thought they should have kicked a little bit more in those last kind of 15, 20 minutes and and tried to play territory and pin La Rochelle back a little bit, but – Sexton gone off was was he didn't go off tact because of tactics. He was went off because he had an ankle problem and uh Jonathan Dante charged charged at him a few times and had him involved in in some big collisions. So um I think if 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 Sexton stayed on the field there even for another seven or eight minutes, they probably would have seen the game out. They needed to get into the seventy third, seventy fourth minute. Um I know Ross, Ross Barn kicked the penalty to put him twenty one seventeen up. You know, to stretch it to four points. And uh, but just that reaction was, was incredible from our show. All
2: right, we leave it there for now. Good stuff, Alan. Thanks a million. Cheers.
0: Cheers, lads. Thanks.
2: Alan Quillen, give us his thoughts on the weekend's rugby. Your views can uh, come through uh, in the comments on the YouTube stream. You can always text us 087 It's 11 minutes past nine. We're going to take a quick break. We're back talking Gaelic football with Anthony Moyles next. OTB AM. All right, 13 minutes past nine. Anthony Moyles is here. Anthony, how are you? I am good, Jer. yourself. I I uh, I I now know your pain. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be glad to know, actually. I I oh. thought of you at Stade de France. Uh, oh. It was late Thanks late in that. the second half, and I was like, oh, I'm a bit hungry, a bit peckish here. Sold out of food. They were sold out of food. I was like, ah, oh, there you go. See. But that was kind of before I realised just how much mayhem there'd been outside. So it turns
5: out that. Um, they couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery. Yeah, yeah. Well, there must be uh, the, the same consultation parties must be involved <laughs> in both both national stadiums. So surely, surely, there's a stadium in one of our capital cities in Europe get that actually a, just does get a it. Bit correct of food. Yeah, a and get you in
2: on time. Just wanted a bit, of, bit of food. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, there was no uh, crowd control issues for the Lancer final. The only no. The only thing of interest with Meath women's footballers, who
5: unfortunately, from their perspective, were beaten by the doubles but there's a proper rivalry brewing there yeah 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 absolutely uh, I watched a good bit of it uh, Mead will feel that they were probably hard done by on a few different um, shall we say controversial decisions uh, but it is an absolute proper rivalry i tell you what's refreshing to hear is boat managers actually having kind of veiled goals at each other Again. Right. Right <laughs> You know you know, Like Mick Bohan A couple of weeks ago Was kind of questioning The whole physicality In women's football And you know Like oh Mead Seemed to bring A certain brand to it Then of course Eamon Murray Had a bit of a go Yesterday about it. But that's rivalry Jer Like when was the last time You heard a Leinster yeah. Manager Sure who can Did Jim Gavin Have to ever say anything About Mead In the last 7 or 8 years Or could no. right did they Anyone ever N- Now it's just you know They were irrelevant Exactly And they, and they still are correct so there's no you don't have to be veiled or or you know or otherwise you can just be you're actually nearly feeling sorry for the other team which is a very very sad state of first which listen we've we've gone over a million and one times um i watched the kildare derry our dublin game closely and i watched it back <laughs> for my sins would you believe i really want to watch it back i want to try to see where exactly dublin are and are there Areas where Derry, whoever else, can get at them. And I think there are. Presumably, a
2: rock solid defensive structure where you prevent them from scoring goals would be a good
5: starting point. That, that would help. That would certainly help, yeah. And not being, uh, you know, three or four goals down after seven or eight minutes would definitely help. It's amazing. Every single Kildare goal. There was nothing, okay, Kostlo had a great finish. The one where he steps inside onto his left foot. Fantastic finish, great balance. But no other goal was, you go, wow, that was, how, how did they do that? Every single goal was preventable by Kildare. Every single goal. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not it, Like, I literally went back and I actually, I was obsessed with it. I started taking pictures of it yesterday. And some of the defending was Oh, It was just so bad. It was just so, so bad. Like, under-12 stuff, you know, not going with players, being sucked towards the ball. Um, a ball comes on off the post, you know, not knowing where your man is, which happened in the, the Kerry game too, you know, being completely unaware that the man is behind you. Um, just bad communication, fellas being lazy. Like, the first goal Kilkenny gets, he actually runs past his marker so he's out the field he goes past his marker his marker watches the crossfield ball comes in completely ball watches loses him and next thing he's like oh and he's away from him oh Callahan gets it and just slips it inside now people go brilliant from Khan great movement but that's where the goal came from so actually I think Kildare when they look at it it'll be video nasty time this week and they'll absolutely rip them asunder have they got the ability Kildare then to kind of tighten up on all those different issues because they've great forwards and McCormack and the rest of them did really really well and I actually was I felt sorry for them but they Obviously went out in the second half said, right, we're just going to go with this. I think they did tighten up a bit better. And they, Sorry, maybe it was just rabbit in the headlights. I don't know what happened that first half. But Dublin punished them, obviously. But will Dublin get that against Derry? Uh, potentially, or and or Kerry, and or a couple of other teams. No, they won't. Because... The, the the awareness and I know people are giving out about the ultra final but the awareness the the the, the use of grey matter that was going on was just phenomenal like I mean their their ability to keep concentrated as for both teams is phenomenal you know because that stuff is not easy no. people kind of look at it and go oh it's boring going to go it's not easy there's fellas running at angles all over the place and as soon as you slip the ball goes to the man that you slipped up on, and it's a score you know So it's high pressure, high intensity, very taxing on the brain. It's 70, 80, 90 minutes of pure concentration. Um, It's not an easy thing, you know.
1: Is Kildare's approach in last year's Leinster final now vindicated? (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
5: uh,
2: <I'm> <laughs> no, I'm no it even, absolutely I'm not, I'm isn't. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not, not even a, joking. No, that's that's a nonsensical. I think it's. I think that's a fellow carry man there coming right I'm out. Just, yes. I'm just wondering. Is it, like that is, that is the weirdest shit take that we've ever had on this, <laughs> on this <laughs> show. A, where there's been a long catalogue. It's them. not. A, it's not a take. It's actually just a question. Right. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's it, it, okay. Erroneous piffle is my answer to that one. <laughs> I,
5: I, you know, it's funny. I, I saw. I think the, one of the articles in the Irish Times on Saturday, and it was kind of saying that you know, I think there was a. General realization that last year the idea by Jack was to keep the, the score down. Now no one re- said that before the game or slightly thereafter It was only kind of become kind of nuanced now, which he obviously did. Dublin and didn't score a goal
1: absolutely. last year, and like okay, so the, the, the overarching <laughs> it was a
5: completely
2: really crap team last year who were like out on their feet and like not good. The, the overarching
1: theme of keep the score down is obviously ridiculous. I'm not I'm not seriously suggesting that that's what yeah. they should have done, but. Dublin didn't score a goal last year. What killed them on Saturday? Five goals. I, I th- like. It, 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 I, I forget the, the black and white ridiculous nature of that question. In terms of your approach to Dublin can you reasonably go into a Leinster Championship game and say, we're going toe-to-toe here? We're, we're, we're letting this I don't, I don't. I don't
5: think they went toe I think, I think where I'm slightly disappointed in, in the selection of the Kildare team, and I would have to look at the Kildare starting 15 last year for the Dublin game and see how different it was to this. But definitely there was a different feel as regards, I thought, the two winning backs for Kildare were potentially more wing forwards if you get me, right, so they were they'd one eye on attack, sorry, they probably had nearly one and a half eye on attack if you get me so so they're like defending is an art and defending is a skill, okay, so you either have fellows who are all out defenders, they've been defenders all their lives, and they see danger before it even happens. They cut stuff off that no one really watching ever really notices. Do you get me? So it's just those small things. It's their positioning. It's just their ability to stop a run. It's their position to kind of... When the guy looks up at the ball, he goes, oh, that pass isn't there. But yet, when you're not doing those things, all the gaps start to show. And for me... That's really what happened. So you'd have to go back and say, OK, is that is that symptomatic of Kildare saying, we're going to have a right go at them and we're going to go all out and we're going to put them under major pressure? Um, or is it just symptomatic that Kildare had the wrong fellas in the wrong positions? OK, so it could be chicken and egg, really, that one. You're, they will not get, Dublin will not get the same type of situation against either Donegal or Derry. Um, whoever comes through, I'm not so sure about Galway. Um, and I think they definitely won't get it with Kerry because I think the carry unit, as a defensive unit, is this is what we spoke about last year. They were lazy, they were letting runners go, they were being attracted to the ball in twos and threes. You know, they're, they're trying to get to the ball, but next thing, a guy's in behind and a hand pass over the top. This backdoor cut thing that Dublin do a lot, You know that, that takes maximum concentration, it takes a lot of work, but it also takes a man that when the backdoor cut happens, it takes a man who's, who's noticing this who comes across from the middle to cut it out because it's actually a very, very difficult thing to Defend against as a, as a cornerback, so all of those things tell me that um, Dublin will have a, have a, have a more difficult time. And then you flip the page and you say, well, actually, how easy were Kildare scores? So you know, again. Dublin shipped a pretty big score on, on,
1: on Saturday. Two games running it kind of happens without people noticing you know because the, the, it feels like it, it all happens in gar- garbage time largely but it's still statistically speaking two, two big scores. It is, end,
5: yeah, yeah. And, and I think Kildare could have got a bit more right you know Kildare do you remember Flynn to, goes off on this kind of mazy ridiculous run near the end of the first half and he, or maybe just start the second half and he shoots for a goal when really he should have just stuck it over the bar they kind of were going for goals but then they kind of said okay we're just gonna, we, we'll are just going, we start taking our points. They could have got a bit more and now, of course, Dublin could have got a bit more as well. Um, and after the five goals, they just said, well, we're just going to keep tapping them over the bar. And it felt like Mead against Meade, they were practising their point scoring. <laughs> and against Kildare, they practised their goals. Yeah. But there was, I think, Kildare definitely didn't help us out. Again, if I'm Desi Farrell and the management team, you're saying, right, we're going to watch this game from about 25 minutes on. Because the first 20 minutes, if they were being really honest with themselves, they're saying, actually, Kildare handled us four, if not five of those goals. They really did. Yes, we'd great movement. Yes, we had all. But against someone like Derry, who are, if you watch, obviously the Ulster final, we'll talk about it in a second. But their ability to stay with a man and know their job and and do the job all the way, Dublin have not come up against that. Me didn't do it for them against them, and Killeher haven't done it against them.
1: Yeah, I really do think that Derry knocking in the back door is good news for for the, the Munster and Leinster champions. And uh, I, I'd agree with you on that. It's obviously the All Ireland final is the only time that Dublin and Derry can meet for example
2: Are we now talking about Derry as like a singular the the last true singularly brilliant defensive team like the proper heirs to Donegal under McGuinness that like um, and so therefore they're going to be a challenge that nobody else poses at the moment because even Tyrone last year weren't like this were they? Like Tyrone would have been more forward and more aggressive and like good defenders but not like the ultra defensive unit that. Uh, McGinnis is Donegal were for example
5: yeah, I think I think there's a slight difference between them. And I think, yes, there was a bit of horses for courses. You know, But people were giving out. It, it was a hard game to watch at times. Um, it really was. Like, the first two minutes, Donegal kept the ball, and then... I have a pain in my hole, people giving out about these games, yeah. right? Because, like, all of the
2: other provincial games this weekend were essentially over with 15 minutes left right. to go, at least. Or yeah. 15 minutes gone in, in two of the cases. The, you could argue that Roscommon made a bit of a fist of it in the second half, but the, that game was largely over. So, like... Stop giving out about it. What do you want? Literally the only game that matters that where where one team is trying to beat the other team with some tactics. Explain what's going on and stop telling us you're bored as the commentators. That's your job. Exactly. Oh, this is terrible. They're passing the ball to each other. They're
5: keeping possession. It's like Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it does. Like it certainly doesn't help. And it, there was a mass difference between the the. I believe the the. I, I watched actually the, repeat BBC, of the, the coverage. Yeah, exactly. There was a marked difference because the re, the lads. So we explaining what's happening. <laughs> exactly, they realise and they know the players. This is a, this is the tactical and it's a massive arm wrestle. So for me, what happened was Donny went in and realised. Okay, listen, the big thing with Derry is counter attack. So what we're not going to do is we're not going to get sucked into the honeypot. So we're going to stand off them we're going to probe but we're never going to commit too many that we do, we get caught on the far end so if you watch Murphy's positioning a lot of the time he was he was standing in. I hate saying that Tim, but he was standing in midfield nearly as a quarterback I was sometimes kind of going is he injured because he wasn't really affecting the game massively now he wanted to obviously stay right through to 70 and they knew it would literally come to the last kick of the ball which it did there was nothing in that game yesterday like Donegal could have easily have won it um, and so Donegal did a massive amount of work on that, but Derry also realized actually when we go forward, we, we can't commit as much as we have previously done. We can't it can't just be charged at the light brigade. So there was a bit less for them on the on the offensive front. They knew goals were going to be important and Donegal knew that we have to stop Derry getting goals. Now the one that they got was really messy. You know, I think Donegal could have still managed to defend it out. They didn't. Um but that was an unbelievable and, and you know in those games what often happens is a fellow will come up who the opposition don't expect to kick his scores and he will be the difference and it was Rogers yesterday you know he ends up getting three points from play he ends up getting the winning score um, and by the way the conditioning of the Derry players is is just freakishly good like Glass and himself were running as hard in that last minute of extra time than they were in the first minute of normal time um, are they as good, Jer? Have they got... I think they have. I think they will relish Crow Park from an offensive point of view, as in being able to go uh, and being able to go hard at you. And as I said, there's a clip. I don't know if, you, if you've noticed it, but there's a clip where uh, out near Gallagher, um, I think oh, McFerry, there's a ball coming along and, and it's going out to the sideline. And he flicks it back inside the Derry uh, player on the ground. He flicks it back inside him, and he picks it up. I think they actually end up getting the goal from him, maybe or something. But the Derry player is on the ground because he slipped, and Gallagher is roaring at him to get back on the ground. Like he's, he, he, the play is moved on, and he's absolutely roaring at him, and he's pointing. And you see the Derry player jump up and just take off. So they, they all know their function. They all know that it is what we need to do. So there will be no lazy runners. There will be no situation where Conor Callahan gets in behind. There will be no kind of ball coming back off the post. There will be none of that kind of stuff where you get sucked towards the ball and you leave a man in behind. That will not happen. So then have Dublin or whoever else got the ability to break these guys down. Because, you know, you look at Chrissie McCaig see what he did. Like, McBurthy was just, may as well have been sitting in the stand. McCaig just went, boom, that's you gone. I have you everywhere. They knew Murphy would come out so Roger said okay well I'm actually going to do more damage than you from an offensive point of view and as soon as you come in at me I'm going to take you I have the ability to do that and they picked up players and still Donegal like I Donegal for me don't get enough credit they they, I, I like I mean they were very very close to winning that game and I think if they just steadied a bit more I think they only got something like a 48% of their chances and there was a number of goals that they could have got I thought there was a number of opportunities but again you would have to go back and say they weren't butchered, butchered. they were unbe- it was unbelievable Derry defending um, I think there was a little bit of a writing on the wall it, the, the name was on the cup this year for Derry and fair play to them like, look, at the, look at the run they've had to come yeah, through unbelievably hard
1: yeah that Donegal piece then is this a situation where it's deja vu from the disappointments of the last number of years like it yeah
5: th- it? it does feel like this you know i watched i i don't know i think I think they nearly gave Derry too much credit. I think they probably I watched them when they got ahead uh you remember the two or three points ahead in the, in the second half maybe it was two and then they gave a silly free away and the camera switched to Bonner and you could see his frustration on the sideline and Murphy as well was kind of going oh, you know cause, so they knew I'd say they felt themselves if we get ahead we 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 very much commanded, and if you watch where the way Murphy played it, from a defensive point of view, he basically sat in the D, um, which I thought was interesting. He wasn't trying to push up; he was just kind of kind of corralling around that area. And the idea was is that they were very much protecting that central column, which Derry loved to run down and get their goals. Um, you would say Donegal did a brilliant job like McGuigan was very very quiet for large parts of the game you know they they did their homework on what they had McInnes had a very very quiet game compared to what he's usually had um but yeah i just i just felt not that they overanalyzed it but I think maybe they went in and they gave them a little bit too much and you know the first half was definitely Donegal kind of giving them too much respect the second half when they started to put a bit of pace on it and go at them they made hay and I think they needed to do that for the full game I think Donegal needed to take the idea that no actually we're going to go at pace I think they were as I said I think they were probing too much I think they were afraid to be caught too much Uh, but they learned from it but Will that's another kick in the teeth for Uh, them so it'll be hard to see them where they go could you see them
2: knocking off Kerry or Dublin at this stage no how close a game would it be
5: <sighs> I think I think the psychological factor of this one again is, is a big determinant factor you know you're coming in but again can they get themselves to a position it's it's a, it's a very hard game to play Ger it's a very uh, taxing tiring mentally tiring game to play the way they're playing and um, And what he will probably need to do, in my view, is you would need to freshen up a number of players. You know, So it's all about their recovery. It's all about how quickly they can get over this. Um, It's all about how they go the next day out. Um, But I think they still have a decent say. One thing that they're missing is they're missing probably a 22 or 23-year-old Paddy McBride. They're missing a guy inside who can say, put it in, left or right of me, and I have the speed and the ability to get that ball. So they didn't. They never had that out ball. If you get me, even when they when they broke it down from Derby, they were never. McKay had obviously done an unbelievable job on him, um, but they never had someone else. They never had someone else in there beside him that was able to say, Listen, I can win a ball um and take them on and bring us further up the field. So every time they got the ball it was we build slowly, yeah. you know, and we look for the loopy runs and everything else, which is all fine. But they I think they only kicked in well they kicked that one long high ball in once and they nearly got a goal out of it. But uh what this game last what year mean? that Derry refused to take the
2: last shot on, wasn't it? It was yeah. Which, and which, and which felt goal. all a little bit weird where Donegal yeah. are like, oh, could we, we could win this game in normal time, no we'll we'll play for the draw. Yeah. Or were they unaware of how long was left? It felt like it felt to me like they were playing for the
1: jaw. It felt like as if they just... Uh, was strange, yeah,
5: yeah because they, 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 you know, they got the kick out and then they just kind of they tipped it across and back. But even at the very, very end, I felt like rather than putting that hand pass into the... They, they should have just kicked the ball over the bar and just reset for the kick out. Yeah. Potentially, I think, they got, I think the referee would have allowed the kick out. They right. could have won the kick out yeah. and then they could have got uh, an equalizer. But uh, look, I think Derry deserved it. Derry deserved it for the campaign. They deserved, They came up against different challenges all the way. Donegal learned from Monaghan because we spoke about this, you know, where, where Monaghan kind of said to them, well, we're going to sit and wait for you and then counter not Donegal didn't commit as many forward, which was a good move, which frustrated Derry. Um, but ultimately, I think they gave them just probably a bit too much respect, but Derry deserved it. Because
1: of the nature of Derry's rise, they are obviously the story from yesterday. No provincial title since 1998. It's very, very hard to make a case that they're not the story yesterday. But is, is there something similar happening from a bit of a higher base with Galway at the moment. This sort of un- unstoppable rise that they're on, the, the, the things that they've changed, the fact there's been a few frustrations during the COVID years especially, and things are just right for them at the moment. And, and they too are on this upward trajectory that, that could end up in an Ireland final.
5: Yeah, you know, it's... it's Galway kind of going about their business nearly unbeknownst to anyone else, you yeah. know. Uh, quietly, you know, everyone's bemoaning the fact of Leinster, Munster, you know, saying about Ulster, and no one's really having a kind of close eye on Connacht. Um, it's amazing that I think sometimes you know people look at say the rise of dairy like that that is a body of work that has gone on for five or six or seven or eight years you know and it's the culmination of that and you could say that you know Back, going back to Kevin Walsh's time with Galway, that he decided we need to start putting more of a defensive structure in this team. We need to get a bit meaner, we need to get a little bit harder in the tackle, we need to get a little bit more tactically nuance. Yes, we're always good going forward, but we need to lock that down and I think he brought that to them. Now some Galway supporters didn't particularly like the way they were playing near the end but I think they needed to get that to become what they are now and I think Porick, to be fair to him, has just built on that. He knows he has the forward power he knows he, he has the he ability. did come in and say we're not playing Galway style we're going to get back to Galway style and then they
2: got spanked a couple of years and now he's back so <laughs> yeah, it, 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 absolutely. It, it does feel like there's a little bit of unfairness in the oh this is going to be a new broom we're going to get rid of all the Kevin Walsh here and then actually they're like straight back
5: oh hang on a second and they have brought in expertise in the back room whose job it is to do that. But, Jerry, as you know, it's narratives. You know, it, 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 you can say that and come in. And, of course, if we were going into the Galway job and we knew that we'd come in and say the exact same thing. Oh, no, this is going to be completely different, you know. But actually, it's not really. You know, the 12 or 13 guys behind it. Look, that's just modern football. I'm still amazed at commentators going, oh, and there's 13 men behind the ball. I go, oh, come on, seriously? How long have we been watching this? And you're still saying that? Do I think day i think there's i think there are opportunities as well for someone to get at govey okay i think i think the way they are leaking goals and leaking big uh, um, changes in momentum against them is not is not great like even Roscommon Roscommon were dead and buried and should have been dead and buried but yes they still come back to get within three points of them um, I think Roscommon when they changed things up in the second half and went a bit more direct right, and actually started playing ball into their full forward line and runners off they got a lot of joy out of that um, so I think anyone playing Galway will go mm, okay I think they are set up well that they will snaffle you if you're moving the ball left and right and they'll frustrate you and they've enough speed and power down on the, on the break and the counter-attack to catch you. And, of course, they've got some forwards. Once you just put it into space, these guys will harm you. But I think if you do go at them hard and early, there's some gaps in that defence. Uh, the Provincial Championship is very quickly at the end of this.
2: What what do we do? It's like, <laughs> How long have we got here? It's never going to change, is it? Like we're, we're stuck in this weird where Ulster is great. We don't care. Screw you. None. Don't touch our championship. It's the greatest. Yeah, and like, okay, great for you lads. Well done. But we're supposed to be like a you know this is supposed to be like a unified thing where we're all we're
5: all in this together. But we're not. We are not in this together. Yeah, look. A few years ago, I remember with the CPA, one of the things we put in was you know that um, there would be um, a vote to put in where basically it would be a situation where. You know, there would be uh, 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 responsibility and uh, uh, acceptability that you actually, whoever, what way you voted for, it would be known. Okay, so everything would be uh, there and it would be very, very opaque and transparent and away you go. And I remember, I think it was actually Larry McCarthy I think, stood up and spoke against it and said, you know, no, we're not going to do this. So the transparency thing. I think is enormous because first of all the first step is you need to know well who is voting against what like who are the people like so did Dublin vote against some of the proposals last year have Mead voted against it? have the people in Leinster which way are they voting like are they voting that they want change but they're just being hammered down by everyone else so actually fair play to them or are they still voting with the status quo and a few tinkerings around the edge my worry always was that when the when the club part came in and the split season came in that there would be a, a doff of the hat to that because it was such a groundswell of opinion, but then they'd go, well actually, and don't worry we'll look after the rest, which is basically what happened. Uh, you can give your submissions but really, that submission's going to go in the toilet. We know this is the submission that's going to work and that's the one that we're going to maintain. And that's what's happened. Whether they do a little few changes. So you, you're in a situation where, as I said to you last week or the week before, there is... A, it, well whether they know it or whether they don't know it, they're killing the sport in each province especially Leicester like if I'm a young Mead fan or a Kildare fan after the weekend and I'm coming out of Crop a Park, player who might be good enough to play something else uh, absolutely, you're gone. You know, because you're you're kind of looking and you're going. There's always the hope, and you know, there's always the thing at every year. But it is a it is a massive body of work that's required, and consistently you need competition. But those players will be gone in a few years anyway, Anthony. So yeah, you know, we don't have to worry. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It, it. You know, it, it. And and unfortunately, that's that's where we are. And competition. Uh, can only, like I mean I heard you lads talking earlier on about the Tallinn Cup games. You look at the score lines of the Tallinn Cup games and you're going, actually, they, they were pretty exciting games. Yeah. You know, two, three scores in it. You know, both teams going at it. Hammer and tongs. Yeah, the principle of uh, pitting opposition against each other who are of a similar standard. Yeah. And this stuff, if a fellow wants to go to America, go to America. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, enjoy yourself. But the, the county persists. We move on because it's not just about you going to America. It's about... The 10-year-olds and the 8-year-olds and the 12-year-olds who are coming up and it's about us improving and getting to a point where we're going to be playing at our maximum level. Whatever that is, by the way, Leitrim are not going to be in 10 years or 15 years time. I don't just mean to say Leitrim, but it's going up and winning 10 Sams in a row. It's not going to happen. But is it going to happen that they continually progress and move on and get to a level where they can you know, be playing at a, at a, you know, a much higher level? Absolutely that's all you need we were chatting about this earlier and uh, our
1: friend friend of the show John and Donegal was in touch saying that's uh, rubbish when we were talking about the provincial championships being a complete joke the chance of winning a conic title meant a huge amount to Galway and Roscommon yesterday the same for Derry and Donegal 24 years since Derry won Leinster and Munster are a, are a different story like obviously the scenes in Derry not in Derry in Clones yesterday were incredible and the game even though there would have been a few detractors from it, it was full of drama mm. same with the, the Connacht final but the reason why these games are full of drama and we are so excited about them is because these are top 12 teams going up against each other week in week out the reason why Derry have been involved in three of the better games so far this year is because they were against top teams you know uh, against Tyrone against Monaghan against Donegal and Derry themselves are a top 12 team and that's why we're getting this the same with the, the two fixtures that we get every year in Connacht it has nothing to do with geography it adds a bit of spice to it for sure but you need the basic ingredients before that sort of spice actually matters
5: correct and you know like look i played for a decent amount of time and Every year you went in with the possibility, whether you were, whether you were being completely, you know, delusional or not, you, you, had, you had a chance of winning Leinster. You know, like it wasn't you weren't coming off a 10, 12, 16 point hammering every single year. So you always had that confidence to go and improve yourself in the off season and get yourself and do what you needed to do. I honestly feel for players in, in, in parts of of the country who are going back to the well again to basically play in the league and then that's pretty much it you know and they're kind of saying to themselves well because it's not a nice place to be Crow Park for those Calair players and the Calair management that is not a nice place to be on on, on, on Saturday and neither was it for, for Mead players the time before um, and actually it's getting to a point where it's probably not a, place, a nice place to be for Dublin players like James McCarty lifted that cup up now with about as much joy in his heart as you know it was like he was given the poison chalice and he hasn't been you a know? captain no he, he hasn't got to do that
2: loads like that's that is actually in, in his career that there will be a moment you, you got to lift trophies yeah I did I
5: was lifting Correct. a trophy but, it's, uh, a, it's a massive it's a massive milestone for me. but just to finish the, 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 the competition is the thing right that breeds intensity it breeds kind of uh, 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 an association what you want to do and it it, it it attracts people to it you just mentioned about the Dublin girls and, and the mead ladies like mead is absolutely f- there's I, I was driving down the, the road on Sunday all the bus stops around my local area full of 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 boys, girls, men, women going into the Mead Match more so than I saw the week before. Heading into Watch the Girl, which is fantastic, but there's a rivalry. There's a there's a you know it's it's a proper rivalry that they want to get behind. Um, and you know you look at Cork Kerry, you look at different so How things have and by the way, but I what I what I can't stand is on this. I think county boards, um, a lot of them right. Take this, and they kind of see it as a pass, and they kind of ask oh, sure, you, "Look, you know, how 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 could we ever compete against Dublin, or how could we ever compete against Gary?" Well, why? There's well, actually, hold on, as well. there's still a house to be put in order there's a yeah, pie chart, and,
1: and like, yeah, and when I say like some of the best games you got this year are teams within the top twelve playing each other. Meath against Dublin. If you look at Alliance league position, is a top twelve head to head. Kildare against Dublin is a top twelve head to head as well.
5: Well, you look at, like let's look at Derry. Derry was an absolute shambles three, four years ago, wasn't it, Jer? Yeah. I mean, Division Four. Back to. I remember Broly talking about it, saying. I remember actually talking to uh, um, a couple of fellas, ex-players, and they were just saying, you know, the the county board. There's a massive. you know kind of blockage with regard to where they're going where there's a there was Schlock nail players wouldn't, wouldn't, were unavailable because of their success but then also weren't committing because weren't there committing. was kind of no point yeah. and it was no all point. It was a, all lot, a toxic- lot of animosity a lot of toxicity everything else going on as you say and to see where so, so can it be done? Absolutely it can be done um and and by the way it's not like it's it's not like they're a bolter you know they have been coming they have been consistently improving go from 4 to 3 to, do, to so there there's a template there and i'm not saying every county can do it but you know what you can you can have a go at it there is there is like
2: uh, this is multifactorial the yeah. the population and the funding for dublin has definitely skewed the game in their favor and so already the other counties are coming from behind when it comes uh up to playing them, and then there's mismanagement of your own resources, and it could be 10% mismanagement, it could be 50% funding, it could be 25% funding, it could be 50% mismanagement. Of your own f- it's all part of the cocktail that goes into the situation, but it becomes self-defeating after a period of time. The biggest problem of all is the competition structures are screwed, and until you fix the competition structures, and for for that we know there is no appetite to do it properly. They've created what is going to be a disaster down the line where we're stuck now with a new system. We haven't even seen the worst part of the new system yet. That's going to come in next year with the round robin where uh, they're going to have a round robin yeah. where one out of the four teams
5: is going to get kicked out. And you're like, what? Huh? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, my last thing, that, that competition structure, if it comes in, so let's say you have a, you know, whatever, six groups or whatever it is, four or five, what that will actually show is, what it will massively highlight is the county boards and the counties who aren't doing the work, the mismanagement, right? Because at the moment, you can kind of, as I said to you, you can kind of get away with it. You know, you get hammered by Dublin and you go out and you hope for, you know, another, maybe you get someone who, who's just in just as bad a state as you are in the or in, in the in the qualifiers, qualifiers and you yeah. beat them and you get one win on and then you you, you the players get We're a big progress. ramp up yeah. and you get bet by four or five points by another team. Jesus, that wasn't a bad year, mm. but actually you lift the hood, you say, well, hold on a second. Like any organisation should be, what? Are, how much? What's the revenue? What's the inputs going into this? Where's the? Output? Can't talk about the money.
1: <laughs> Meads' sales must be up. Meads' men's sales must be up after Saturday's performance by Kildare. I mean, it wasn't that bad after all, yeah, it
5: yeah, turned in out. Fairness, he, he's, like, ju- he's just looking to super annoy this today.
2: morning, isn't he? <laughs> 9.45, we're a bit late. we got to go. Uh, right, we'll, tomorrow, Keith Woods, and maybe even a power rankings. Are we going to have a power rankings? Maybe yeah, tomorrow? we'll, we'll do, yeah. And much more. Here's some of the best from the weekend across off the ball. Enjoy. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into
0: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.